Welcome in to the Alana Enquirer podcast. It's Jeremy Warner, Joey Wagner. Happy signing day to everybody who celebrates. It is the early signing period, the first of three days. And as we know, this is now the day in college football. It's been this way for about six years where most of these prospects decide to sign on the dotted line and send in their national letter of intent. So on today's show, we're streaming live on our YouTube channel. First time we've tried this out. we got some new software we're trying out here as well, Joey Wagner. Uh, and we plan on having some special guests along the way to help us talk about this class, break down this class. Uh, Ryan Easterling expected to join us later. Might get a few of these signees uh, to join us as well. But right now, Illinois football has the number 42 class in the country. That would be the highest for Illinois in quite some time. And uh, my stat of the day, Joey, is this would be the second straight top 50 class for Illinois. That, that's not a very high bar when it comes to the Big Ten and all of college football. But for Illinois, that hasn't happened since 2008, 2009. So we'll break down our individuals, our guys in this class, positions that they really address well, and maybe some, some question marks we have in this class. But do you have a big takeaway about Illinois' class of 2023? Yeah, I think I've said this before, Jeremy, but I remember talking, we recorded a podcast maybe after last signing day, not not long after last signing day, we said, hey, the class of 2023, especially in state, has got a lot of options for headliners. And, and Illinois got one in Caden Fagan. I know we'll talk to him. Uh, out of state, Sabor Kareem is a headliner. He's a composite four-star. And as we know, Jeremy, they're still in the mix for Malik Elzey. Uh, Jair Hill is, is going to announce later today and what has been a, a quiet but up <laughs> kind of a wild ride recruitment. But I think the takeaway is you got to this point, as we record this, one of those in-state headliners, and you built a really good class around them. I mean, that's this is just kind of what I think of with, with Brett Bielema classes, right? It's just there's good football players in this class. They might not have all the rankings and, and the rank. Uh, we say that, but it's still a better ranking than we've seen in this program for a while. Just a solid class, good three-star players, and you've got a couple headliners sitting there at the top. And I think that's what that's what should be maybe the I don't know if expectation is the right word, but but maybe yeah. what you look for moving forward in future classes. Yeah, this is kind of what Brett Bielma did at Wisconsin, right? Uh, on the screen, you can see the composite rank of this class, which is the over, which is the recruiting for prep and JUCO prospects. Um, that is the, the the class rank there at number forty-two. And as you said, you got two strong headliners here in Caden Fagan, uh, in-state kid, downstate kid, within an hour of Champaign, right? You want to land that guy, and you you win that recruitment over Iowa, over Notre Dame, at Miami offer uh, towards the end. Uh, Sabor Kareem. A prospect I love. We'll talk about him a little bit later, but but a four-star prospect now in the composite, three-star by 24-7 sports, but love his skill, length, and athleticism. And then, you know, you go on and you fill this, and we'll talk about some strengths, but uh, a class that right now is number nine in the Big Ten, but if you compare it to the Big Ten West, and, and I'll go break this down here a little bit, Joey, um, the Big Ten West, Illinois, is right in the mix to potentially be at the top of that um, because the big 10, there's not much separation, especially after Iowa lost the five-star prospect in Caden uh, Proctor, who decides to flip his commitment to Alabama. But look at how close these are in these rankings, right? You have Iowa at 200 points in class, Illinois at 196, Nebraska at 195. You add Malik Elzey to this class, this will be the top class in the big 10 West. If nothing else happens, Right. So if you had three four-star prospects, look at this, the four-star prospects in the Big Ten West, 
Illinois would have three if they are able to get Malik Elzey. And yes, I think Illinois feels good heading into this thing with Malik Elzey. Um, in the Big Ten West, that'd be the leader. That'd be the best class in the Big Ten West in Brett Bielma's second season. I think that would be quite a statement. Of course, we've got to see if that comes to fruition. Elzey said he would sign a national letter of intent and announce it on January 7th at the All-America Bowl. But also, Joey, we always got to look at this from the Big Ten West. Look at the East. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Star and five-star prospects there are in the East compared to there is in the West. Um, big difference. There's a cliff after those top four schools. But when you're Illinois, uh, if you can finish with the top five class, which is still a possibility, if you add Elsie, that'd be a pretty big coup uh, for Brett Bielema. Yeah, it really would. And it, I, I like this new software because you can pull up this and yeah. it, it, like it helps to paint the picture. But yeah, that, that's, a, that's a cliff. Um, the West isn't going to be around forever, Jeremy. So this might be the last chance. And the last iteration of the West, we think, Brett Bielema is going to have the highest uh, ranking in the rest. Obviously, uh, average star ranking, it, it does not favor Illinois. We have to put that out there. But, man, th- again, this has been a really good recruiting class. And it's also, Jeremy, and I think it's important to mention, this is the first class for Bielema. Not not his first class, but the first class that had no restrictions. There were no COVID Zoom restrictions. Remember, the 22 class was built largely through COVID recruiting. Uh, and now Brett Bielema and his coaching staff were even late to that as the hiring cycle came around. So this is – I think this class paints a pretty good picture – like that, that's the best takeaway I have. It's a pretty good picture of what this is going to look like moving forward. There's going to be some variation, of course, but I, I think just this is it, right? Like this is mm-hmm. this mirrors what he did at Wisconsin. Arkansas is a different beast because the SEC is a different beast. This mirrors a lot of the Wisconsin recruiting that Brett Bielema yes. did, and yeah, you you get Malik Elsey. It's crazy to me as, as we record this at nine forty three. We think. If not now, soon, someone somewhere has got a letter of intent from Malik Elsey in their football office, <laughs> but we just won't know about it for a while. Uh, but yeah, man, I, I just think that this is this is the blueprint for, for Brett Bielema's recruiting. And again, variation, but eight and four sure helped uh, maybe lay this blueprint blueprint in year two, which I think, I don't know if ahead of schedule is the word I would use because I don't know how you kind of look at schedules on this stuff, but I, I think to get this now, and it's a good class. It's not a perfect class. There's concerns we'll get to, but I think to get this now is pretty telling about where this program is and where it's going. Yeah. And if you just want to go by top 1000 recruits, Illinois has got 10 of them, which is an improvement over a lot of these classes. So average star ranking. Yeah. You can bring those things down. Illinois is last in the big 10 in average star ranking. Part of that is you got two specialists, in this class, right? And, and those are never going to be highly ranked guys. But there are some guys that didn't have other Power 5 offers, right? Nate Gwynn, Jeremiah Warren here, Mason Moragan, who I think is a little underrated. Uh, John Clark only had one other Power 5 offer. Pat Farrell didn't have another Power 5 offer, right? So um, we'll see how those evaluations go. The staff, we think, can be pretty good at it. And plus, they're a pretty good uh, development staff. But uh, if you can add Malik Elzey to this class, I do think it changes a lot of the perception of what it could be, of what I think nationally people look at as a solid class. Um, as you said, a Wisconsin-like Bielema class. Um, but if you add Elsie to the top of it along with Caden Fagan, Sabor Kareem, uh, I think that'd be a pretty pretty good uh, second class for Brett Bielema. And, and we got to start, Joey, with the conversation of in-state, right? It's not perfect yet. They had 12 in-state prospects last year. 
But this year they got a little bit better, right? Landing a top five in-state prospect in Caden Fagan, um, adding Brandon Henderson and Antoine Hayden out of East St. Louis, TJ McMillan, suburban offensive lineman that always seems to go to another Big Ten rival, right? Uh, to get those guys and then add Pat Farrell, um, you know, David Olano, Declan Dooley, you keep the in-state specialists there. The staff's done pretty well. And again, LZ changes this conversation. If you land LZ and you get two of the top five in-state prospects, you're feeling pretty damn good about where you are. Yeah, and, and to echo that, Jeremy, all the all but Farrell, and I think we should say Farrell kind of felt earmarked for Illinois from the get-go. I, I think that may have turned off some programs, really turning up the heat on him, similar to ways Joey Oakla shut it down early last year. All the other in-state guys, and I'll take the specialists out of this because it's different. They had offer, they had interest uh, from Power Five programs. The other two specialists, absolutely, mm-hmm. but there's all these were all Power Five wins, right? Like the, they they won Caden Fagan over Power Five offers. Um, obviously, Malik Elzey is a guy that they're battling for over Power Five offers. T.J. McMillan, Brandon Henderson, Antoine Hayden. I mean, his recruitment wasn't as hot when when he committed, but they held on to him from from a lot of other interests from power five programs i think that's maybe the difference you're seeing this year with the when you look specifically at in-state is you're winning power five recruiting battles and again you lost some too you know you lost Roderick pierce we'll see what happens with jair hill those things i mean jamel howard's another guy but to, to start to see that uptick of talent and it may not always reflect in stars i know you've talked uh, more than once uh, about your thoughts on, on how maybe some of the star systems are are classified, but so but it doesn't reflect it in offers in in even ranking, right? Like it's not star, but you, you look at the point differential there. So I think that's that's a encouraging trend, I guess, moving forward for Illinois. And again, like you said, Malik Elzey changes a lot of the perception, a lot of a lot of what this looks like. I just don't think we can understate how big eight and four was this year, Jeremy, and the buzz that Illinois generated, especially in that month of October where things were just humming along. Yeah. Listen, Illinois is never going to own the state, but you got to start winning more of the top talent. So when Charles Jagusa, the number one prospect here, goes to Notre Dame, it's going to happen. Miles McVeigh goes to Alabama, going to happen. Michigan has been a thorn in Illinois' side, but it's Michigan, a two-time back-to-back college football playoff, uh, two-time back-to-back uh, Big Ten champion, they won Deacon Tony Elliott. We'll see. Are they still in the mix with Jair Hill? Uh, some people still think they could be the pick for him, even though it wasn't in the top five uh, towards the end. Roderick Pierce, you lose him twice, right? Once to Wisconsin, once to Michigan. That will happen. Iowa's still going to get theirs. Northwestern's still going to get theirs in the state. Wisconsin, a couple guys from in-state. But now Illinois in those battles, and they're landing some of them. So significant step forward for Illinois. Uh, but also, Illinois, they're doing really well in Florida. This is a Florida-heavy class, Joey. And we know new defensive coordinator Aaron Henry has done really, really jo- good job in Florida. He has Jaheim Clark, a defensive back. You had Zachary Toby, a, a defensive back. He flipped from North Carolina. Calvin Smith, Trey, he goes by. One of my favorite prospects in the class. Great edge rusher from the same program as Zachary Toby. Canary Wilcher, now a wide receiver, blazing, blazing fast. Uh, they've had a lot of talent here from Florida. Uh, so that certainly has been a secondary area that's been good to Illinois, both under Lovey Smith and Ron Zook. No surprise here that this staff, uh, with Aaron Henry especially, uh, and George McDonald, has got some ties down there, uh, is doing well in that state. Yeah, Brett Bielema's got ties there too. That was yeah. an area, when, especially when he was at 
Wisconsin. Uh, I, I think as we look at especially the defensive side of the ball, specifically the state of Florida, Illinois held on to all of its defensive guys despite Ryan Walters, the former defensive coordinator, going to Purdue, despite Kevin Kane, the former outside linebackers coach, going to Purdue. I don't know how much, Jeremy, you and I talked about, like our wonder, what, what it was going to look like in terms of holding on, but you still did it, and I think that matters for something. But, yeah, the state of Florida, there's a lot of talent. Like I, I was going through – it's funny. I was going through the position primers. And you can see it here. Uh, you know, the state ranking is like 100 and some odd for – you know, a Florida case, there's a lot of talent in the state of Florida, but if you look at the composite score there, like you, like just look at another state and it's almost the same composite score, but it's such a variation in the rankings, right? Like that, yeah. there's just a, you, you can't, obviously Illinois wants to win Illinois and we, we talked about the job they're doing there, but if you've got inroads in Florida, you've got to be there, right? Because there's so much talent and there, there's so many connections there and, and there's guys there that I know you and I really like in this class that maybe don't have the sexiest ranking. Uh, Jaheim Clark would be a, a guy in that mix, Jeremy. Mm-hmm. But it, it's been a fruitful state for Illinois. And, and that, not to tangent too far, but it, that's what makes it interesting with Aaron Henry as the defensive coordinator and Brett Bielema several times saying, hey, you know, we, we like our coordinators to hang back. And Aaron Henry's a really good recruiter and he's really good in a state that's been really good to Illinois. So that'll be something interesting to monitor moving forward. But they, they've done well in Florida, New Jersey, and Illinois. Those seems to be like the the thumbs up states for Illinois football recruiting. All right, let's bring in a guest. It's Ryan Easterling. Ryan, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. You guys hear me all right? Oh, you sound great, man. Uh, so class of 2023, Ryan, you've been doing this a really long time. Uh, scout days, 24-7 sports days. Uh, so what do you make of this class for Illinois football? Well, I think you guys hit on it a little bit when you were just talking. Uh, the in-state presence in the class, I think, is is getting back to what Illinois football has really thrived on in the past. They're they're starting to win a bigger share of the in-state prospects, and that's that's showing uh, on the field too. Because there's so many guys in-state that have started playing roles, have been big in this rebuild, even though it's only been two years, just been instrumental in the rebuild of of Illinois football and rebuilding that presence within the state of Illinois. Um, before I forget it, though, one funny anecdote I was thinking about um, is back in the day, I remember because things have changed so much just with with COVID and, and the way that the technology has changed. These guys used to have to send in their letters of intent over fax machines. And there was one year I remember there was a terrible blizzard. And this was in February before the early signing period was a thing that everyone was freaking out, wondering why Pat Flavin hadn't sent in his his letter of intent yet. And it was because he was digging himself out from four feet of snow in his driveway to go down the street to his dad's office to send in his letter. So, man, have we come a long way. (laughs) Yeah, now we don't have to send the fax machines, right? You can just PDF this stuff uh, nowadays. Uh, But, Ryan, let's start going into the position groups of here. What what do you think are real strengths of this recruiting class? Um, Maybe it's a position group or two. Well, I think they've they've stayed strong with the defensive backs. They've got a lot of guys that are versatile and can play multiple different positions. You talk about like a Zach Tobe, uh, Wilcher, obviously going over to receiver, um, but you've got Jaheim Clark, you've got Sabor Kareem. All these guys can play corner or safety. Um, they're really versatile guys. Caleb Patterson, I thought was a great late pickup uh, from the junior college ranks just because of you know, he's, he's an experienced guy. He may only have one year at the collegiate level, but he's he's got that build. He's got that athleticism, and he's played against college-level players at the junior college ranks. I think that's one thing that gets maybe lost 
in the wash a little bit sometimes with when you're talking about junior college players is even though they might be junior college players, there's a lot of bounce backs that were former D1 recruits that play at junior colleges. So he's not going up against scrubs. Um, so I think having him coming in with a little bit of experience under his belt really helps give that position um, some additional depth. And, and probably I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him starting next year, just especially with, um, with Devin Witherspoon moving on to the NFL. Yeah, I agree, Joey. I think uh, DB is a real strength of this class. Um, Caleb Patterson is probably the one to make an early impact, but this is a class, right, that like with the defensive back talent they've added the last couple of years, they're certainly looking to get longer. Lovey Smith's DBs, the last few years of his recruiting were a little bit smaller. They're looking to get longer, stronger there. Uh, but there's some time. There's some opportunity for playing time here. We, we expect Matthew Bailey will be starting next year at safety. Uh, we expect Taz Nicholson to be starting at corner. When you lose Devin Witherspoon, Sidney Brown, Quan Martin, and Kendall Smith, there's a ton of playing time to be had. I don't know if I'm going to project any of these other freshmen to start because they're freshmen. Uh, and you've got some returners coming back, right? Xavier Scott, will he play nickel next year? Uh, we saw Tyler Strain play some decent ball late in the season. All these guys will probably get a chance in the bowl game as well. But um, – this is an opportunity where this is a, this is usually a position and a position group where they might need somebody to come in here and play early and maybe push guys like Tyson Rooks and Elijah McCantos who are coming back for their second years at Illinois. Yeah, I think it's telling. Uh, Ryan, I think, did a victory lap when Wilcher uh, announced he was moving over to wide receiver. Ryan's been on that since what was the first time you turned on film? Ryan? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I when I saw his film, I was like, this guy can be a good DB, but man, what some of the stuff he's doing at receiver, I was like, and and this you look at the stats he put up. I mean, it's he's on par with with Colin Dixon as far as what his stats were. So the guy's got talent, and you know, with some of the challenges of getting good receivers, I am a hundred percent on board with that move. So yeah. I, 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 I don't have any issue with it at all, especially because they were able to get some other defensive backs in the class. Yeah, I think that's the telling part, right, is you have a guy that you initially recruited a defensive back and you're comfortable enough with where you are or maybe where you're going, right? The portal still exists. There's yeah. still going to be opportunity in that area to move him over to wide receiver. Uh, so, yeah, there, there's a lot of snaps sitting out there. I think the only person maybe that like you, uh, Caleb Patterson and, and Taz Nicholson, obviously, are two guys. Matthew Bailey is, is probably inked in. Otherwise, there's a lot of snaps moving around in that defensive backfield. And I, I think you, know, you probably said it, Jeremy or Ryan, the further you get from the ball, the better chance you can impact this thing early on. And defensive back, like wide receivers in area, you've seen it happen at Illinois where that can that can happen. And you look like a guy like Sabor Kareem. I don't know. We'll get to him uh, later on here, Jeremy. But he's a guy. Could he play corner? Could he play safety? Like There's some versatility back there. Same with Xavier Scott who was in last year's class. He can play nickel. He can play corner. Uh, so I think to combine all of that, it is a, a lot to lose. There's probably going to be growing pains. You might see Illinois sniff around in the portal, but but they're really reloading that position. Uh, it's just it's kind of a, a weird time element, I guess. Like you, Ideally, you would be like a year ahead in, in this recruiting, but where you are right now, this is kind of is what it is. Yeah, for those of us in the, the live stream, we can see my fancy scholarship chart here. Not very fancy, but you can see one returning upperclassman, Taz Nicholson, who had a really good year. I think they really missed him late in the year. 
But you've added Nicario Harper, Louisville transfer, I think will compete for either a nickel spot or that strong safety spot. I think he's an in-the-box guy. Uh, and, of course, Caleb Patterson now, the Juco. So I, I would set it at Matthew Bailey, Taz Nicholson, Nicario Harper, Caleb Patterson. And then we'll see Xavier Scott potentially uh, at nickel if he decides to play nickel. Does Keontae Curry put, play a role here? Can he play free safety and Matthew Bailey play strong safety and you get Nicario Harper – right at, at nickel that'll be interesting to watch but um there is some exciting young talent tyson rooks six foot three redshirt freshman elijah mccantos had an injury kind of set him back last spring but i'm still high on his talent that he brings and then you add all this young talent so this is a very talented defensive back group i think they're bringing together uh but i do think it's very young and inexperienced coming in next year i want to focus on offensive line i think that's another strength i think bart miller is doing a fantastic job bringing this group together and you got TJ McMillan, Zach Amlin, Brandon Henderson, all these guys with multiple power five offers. Right. And then you add a, a Juco who hasn't signed yet. haven't seen his national letter of intent yet. Desmond Schuster, Avery Jones, the transfer coming in. Uh, if you get Julian Pearl and Isaiah Adams back uh, along with Jordan Slaughter, Zai Chrysler, then you add Avery Jones to that group. That's a pretty good, uh, pretty dang good offensive line next year. And then you're seeing all this depth behind it, Ryan, with, Josh Cruz, Zach Barlow, Josh Geske, all in their third years. Hunter Whitenack, Joey Oka, Clayton Leonard, Mountis Moeller, all in their fourth years. Uh, not a surprise, but Brett Bielema and Bart Miller building a good offensive line program here, it seems like, Ryan. Oh, yeah, and it, it all starts up front for this this offense. I mean, you look at how what they want to do. They want to win at the point of attack, and, and any good coach will tell you that you have to win in the trenches to be able to win just about anywhere else. It, it's rare that a team – can struggle either at offensive line or defensive line and have a chance in a game. And looking at previous seasons versus what happened this season, the margin of margin of defeat was so much reduced this year for this team that they were in pretty much every game that they lost. I mean, I, I don't think there were any blowouts this year, what you would consider a blowout this year. And, and that's a huge step forward compared to what they've had happen in past years. And a lot of that's just been because they've been able to be more competitive at the line of scrimmage, both on offense and on defense. Um, you know, last year's class, they signed a lot more numbers. Uh, they brought in a bigger group because they had all that turnover they were expecting. I, I think it was huge having Palczewski back. It, uh, besides just what he brings on the field, also just his intangibles as a leader in that locker room and for that position group. Uh, but this year, uh, signed kind of a smaller class offensive line-wise. But like you said, multiple power five offers for each of these guys. They're all quality players, and I, I really think a lot of them have high ceilings and uh, – fit well into uh, the group as a whole relative to what they brought in last year too. Um, on top of the offensive line group though, the other group that I, I failed to mention earlier, I think they brought in some really good defensive ends and edge rushers in this class. I, the guys that they have were super productive. I mean, I don't, I don't know that I can recall guys that put up some of the numbers like what a Calvin Smith or an Alex Bray or a Mason Roggin did. Um, those three guys all had super productive years. Their film was great. Um, and I think those are the type of guys that help you win that line of scrimmage that's maybe been a challenge in the past and help you get past pressure or uh, pass rushing and, and more pressure in the backfield um, to help your defense and help some of those young DBs not have to hold their coverage as long. I want to come back to this, Joey, um, because I know we want to talk about some question marks and Ryan kind of addressed one and I think he did it with some nuance there, but I think another group we've got to talk about is wide receiver. Um, TJ Lott, we're not expecting to sign with Illinois today. Uh, it's been clear that, that Illinois has gone a different direction. 
um, in that Terry Monlade is still looking for a home. But Canary Wilcher, speed. They need speed in the slot, right? He addresses that. Uh, probably the fastest player in this class. Getting Colin Dixon uh, is a huge addition. Former Wisconsin commit, uh, six foot two, two hundred five pounds. Talk about production. Uh, more than 3,500 yards in three years at the varsity level, 1,400-plus each of the last two years. And you got that big one, four-star Chicago Simeon wide receiver sitting out there. Look what uh, George McDonald's done with this receiver room, right, to get the most out of Brian Hightower, Casey Washington, Pat Bryan, Isaiah Williams the last year. Uh, and then Hank Beatty, we, we saw some flashes this year. Sean Miller was expected to play a role, got injured. But EMP and Ashton Hollins had length that they need, maybe some speed as well to take the top off of defense. Then you had Dixon, Wilcher, and potentially Elzey. What do you make of uh, George McDonald's work in that wide receiver room, Joe? It's changed as much as the offensive line room has changed, uh, right? I mean, I think just the talent that they've added is it's pretty good talent. This this year, obviously, I think there's more uh, I don't know, recruiting – backing I guess with some of the guys there they brought in or may bring in with Malik Elzey they brought in a lot of different players right you got some slot guys in terms of, of Hank Beatty in terms of Canary Wilcher Malik Elzey Colin Dixon I mean those Malik Elzey's go up and get a guy I think that's your favorite term uh, for wide receivers Jeremy then you look even in the 22 class with Ian Pugh Ashton Hollins lanky long guys who can get down the field who can who can get some separation like that's what's been missing in this class is separation. Or just not in this class position, I'm sorry, in the whole room. Kenari Wilcher addresses a lot of that himself. I, I'm with Ryan. The more you sit on it, moving him to wide receivers, I mean, that's, that's a really yeah. good decision Illinois has made. So, yeah, it, it's changed a lot. And, and, again, same thing as when we talked about in-state. The outlook probably changes when and if uh, you get Malik Elzey. Like, that probably will will maybe get some some – outsiders maybe more on board with it but George McDonald's added a lot of talent in this room and and just look I mean Isaiah Williams was when this staff got here was an addition to the room right he was a quarterback when they got here so between the development which I think is key and just the talent influx a position that we thought 16 months ago was kind of a a crisis mode like oh my goodness what are they going to do how many wide receivers can they get at once out of the portal has really is starting to. It's not a strength yet. I think nobody would be foolish enough to say that, but you're starting to see those those foundations being laid for what what could be a talented and productive room. All right, guys, let's go to, to some question marks uh, in the class of 2023. In uh, quarterback, let's just look at the the depth chart here, right? Uh, Art Sikowski gone. Tommy DeVito gone. Will not return. Uh, Donovan Leary is your one returning scholarship player. Kirkland Michaud, we know, uh, has some talent, intriguing walk-on that used to play baseball. No experience here. There will be a transfer. We will talk about the transfer options here in a little bit. But Cal Swanson is a guy, Ryan, that Lunny evaluated all through the spring and summer. And Cal Swanson's playmaking ability, his ability to run, really stood out. Uh, Obviously, I don't think you're counting on Cal Swanson his first year. Second year, probably not too, right? Um, but what do you make of his long-term potential uh, to, to add some depth and potentially eventually be a starting option? Yeah, with, with when Barry Lunny came on board, you know, and, and this is just in general with evaluating quarterbacks and recruiting quarterbacks, they are some of the first ones that really get involved in the recruiting process. And you, you usually have to start really young with recruiting quarterbacks. And, you know, so Barry Lunny was starting a little bit from behind 
in that sense, as far as his, you know, recruiting someone to Illinois. Um, so by the time he got to Illinois, a lot of the top options had been picked over or were already so far down the road that it would have been tough to break in. Um, so they go and they evaluate a guy like Cal Swanson, who's a real high upside guy. Uh, he's a track guy that, that runs some pretty good times on the track. Um, and he's, he's got a live arm. He can really sling it. Um, his thing is he's just got to dial some things in. He's got to refine his technique a little bit. He's got a quick delivery. But the thing that stands out to me that probably needs the most work is his footwork, um, which footwork is a big component of accuracy. And so if, uh, if Cal Swanson can come in and develop, and that's where I think having that time and having that latitude to really develop him before he's put into action and put in under pressure, because if you remember in the early 2000s, some of those Zook teams just cycled through young quarterbacks and, and Juice Williams, by all means, took his lumps. Um, and you can, you can see what happens. Even Nate Shieldhouse as a, as a freshman struggled at times. So uh, even the best guys, when they get thrown into action too early and aren't all the way prepared for that situation, may have a bit of a tough time. But if, if they can bring Cal Swanson in, spend a year or two really refining his technique, getting his footwork settled – I think what he brings to the table is unique. Um, and so having that mobility, having that ability to get outside the pocket, throw on the run, uh, take off if the play breaks down, or if he sees a running lane and just go, because by the time that you react to Cal Swanson taking off and running, he's five, six yards down the field. And so having that sort of speed to be able to pick up those yards in kind of chaos situations is a valuable asset to have. Um, you know, it's, I hate to call it a gamble, but you're kind of taking a chance on, on somebody's potential. It's a high upside move. Uh, you know, he's not as proven of a commodity, but I think he's a solid player. And I think he brings a lot of tools to the table that Lunny can get creative with. Yeah. Let's go to a, another potential question mark. For can, we, can we just yeah. say real quick, as with quarterbacks, every single year, come back in two years or come back in three years, like, especially where Illinois is recruiting quarterbacks it, it kind of this level, there's not getting the five-star plug and play guys. That's just not what this is. These and are things then, that you'll Joey, know, like, you'll know in 25, 25, 24, 25. Yeah, even then a guy like Quinn yours, right. right. In his yeah, second right. year, like he's, he's going to struggle a little bit. Um, you know, so some of those guys aren't going to be uh, superstars right away, especially the level Illinois is recruiting at. All right, another question mark I would say is defensive line. They recruited uh, some really good prospects. Uh, Roderick Pierce, obviously, Jamal Howard hasn't made a decision, and Illinois is still in the mix for there, but it seems like Michigan and Wisconsin are, are more likely. Uh, and then you lose a guy like Jamari and Harkless, who I knew Ryan Easterling and I were very, very high on as, as a potential nose guard. But Mason Moragan, Alex Bray, these are two very, very productive players, as Ryan was talking about. More edge, five technique kind of guys. I think can eventually bulk up and be three techs, play, play that four eye shade. Uh, but Jeremiah Ward in a late addition in this class after they missed on Roderick Pierce. Uh, none of these guys have other power five offers, right? So I do think the recruiting aspect, can you win power five battles? It's been a while since someone has done that for a defensive lineman. They didn't sign a defensive lineman uh, in the prep class last year. And then this year, two guys, but I, I like Moragan. I like Bray. They're tenacious, Ryan. They, they uh, have great pass rush moves. I think they come in pretty technically sound, but if they're going to play Big Ten defensive line rather than edge, which is the case for them, they're going to bulk them up, play defensive line. Uh, it's going to take them some time. But what do you make, Ryan, of this defensive line class? Yeah, I, I think the area where, and, and this is no surprise, I think the area where people are a little bit disappointed is the nose tackle position or the interior defensive tackle position. 
And, you know, I, I think Illinois did everything pretty much they could at there. I mean, they were they were the first offer for Roderick Pierce a couple of years ago. That was one of the first offers that went out there from Illinois. And then Bielema re-offered quickly once he, he came on staff. And, you know, Jamel Howard's always tough. Everybody's got their thing about Marist and anywhere but Illinois. But, you know, they were able to get him on some visits, able to get him to campus. And, uh, you know, he, he's another one that, that would have been a good pickup, but it's not looking like Illinois in the picture there. So I, I, I think – and you know, from the point about Harkless, I mean, they had him on board for a while, but, you know, recruiting is what it is these days. It's a different world than it used to be. Um, but I, and I got a chance to see him in person uh, back in September and he's an impressive player. Um, he's a big guy. He moves really well for his size. Um, so for Illinois to not hold on to him, I, I think it was a little bit of a, a blow, but, you know, they, they got they at least identified somebody uh, at the position from a quality program in Michigan and Jeremiah Warren. We'll see how he pans out long term. I think he's probably more of a depth piece than an impact player on the field. Um, but they needed to get a body because really the only long term nose tackle they have right now is Tayra Edwards. And so with so many other guys moving on, I mean, if they can get Randolph and Newton back, that helps buy some time for a year. But the way it's looking right now, they're probably going to have to go to the portal. Uh, at least at the nose tackle position. But as you mentioned with those ends, and like I hit on earlier, uh, Moragan and Bray, I'm, I'm really impressed with their tape. I think they're going to be really good. They'd probably be more primed to, uh, to contribute earlier, or at least in a more significant role earlier, if Illinois was more of a 4-3 front. Uh, but with them running a 3-4 and them not really being true edge players, uh, it may just be situational or if they're throwing certain looks at defenses that they get into the, play, into the rotation. But I would guess that they probably get you know, three, four games next year, take advantage of as much of the, the red shirt bandwidth that they get and get some reps because I think those guys in the long run are going to be two really, really good players. I just want to add, I think when we call this position like a question mark, I think it's compounded probably. Maybe you guys disagree with a couple different factors. One being you didn't sign a defensive lineman a year ago. Two being it feels like the iron's pretty hot in terms of your development pitch with Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph. And three being the guys you lost. Ryan mentioned uh, Roderick Pierce, mentioned Jamarion Harkless. We'll see what happens with Jamel Howard. That doesn't seem favorable for Illinois right now. I think you compound all of those three things and it's like, oof. Like, what's the long-term outlook here? But I think to your guys' point, you also have to say – Bray and Moragan were impressive dudes on tape, and the numbers back that up. So when, when we say question mark, I don't think it's like, are these guys good enough? I think it's that you zoom out a little bit and look at the big picture of those factors, and then you just kind of feel like, eh, maybe a missed opportunity, I, I guess, would be another way to look at it. Right, because Seth McConnell's a redshirt sophomore now. t Edwards, a redshirt sophomore. You don't have a freshman or redshirt freshman uh, on the roster, and so these guys uh, come in. So they needed quantity. They've added that. We'll, cut, we'll wait a couple of years because one thing Terrence Jameson has done uh, has really been developing that talent well. But we just got to say there hasn't been a Johnny Newton or Keith Randolph level recruiting win, at least by Power Five offers and ratings compared right to, to this class. So that'll be interesting to watch. I do want to mention here the edge. Uh, Ryan, you mentioned this. Pat Farrell is a guy I feel like could bulk up and play on the defensive line if they need to eventually. But I am really high on Calvin Smith. He goes by Trey. So Trey Smith. Um, great burst off the line of scrimmage, that quick twitch edge rusher. I think Calvin's got that. 19 and a half sacks in a season, 38 tackles for loss. Those are some numbers. 
I mean, then the, and as a as an edge player, he tallied over a hundred tackles on the season. Now I, I know they had a longer season because they made it to the state semifinals, but that guy can play. Um, you know, he's he's a little bit on the light side right now. I think over the next year, year and a half, he's going to have to add some weight. But he, correct me if I'm wrong. He is an early enrollee, right? That's a good question. I, I can't remember if we've confirmed that yet. Uh, if so, though, if he is able to be here in the spring, that's going to be a big few months for him to be able to hit the weight room and add that weight. Um, you know, anytime these guys that maybe aren't physically put together the way they would need to be at the collegiate level yet um, can get a few months head start, that is huge. Um, but obviously he has that that talent, that burst, that quickness um, and to, to be able to be disruptive. And he has that mindset of knowing how to beat offensive linemen and, and make plays. Ryan, before we let you go, uh, we got some other special guests potentially coming in here. What is your like? Who, who's your guy in this class? Whether you're higher on them or, or you like, I'm gonna go all in on this guy. I will bet he's gonna be a big time difference maker. Just so you know, Jeremy took three, so don't feel limited to one. <laughs> uh, by the way, um, Jamar and Harkless, once committed to Illinois, will now play for former Illinois defensive coordinator. Ryan Walters, he just committed and signed. Recruiting. Who saw that coming? <laughs> um, so, I mean, there's a couple guys in this class I really like. I mean, I, I think I think the fans' pick is Antoine Hayden for several reasons. Uh, but I, I, I will tell you, I saw him play a few weeks ago, and I was really impressed with what he's done. He's taken a huge leap from his junior year to his senior year. Um, I mean, I, I think my guy probably, or at least one of my guys, would probably be on the defensive side, Mason Rogan. I've just, I've always really liked his tape. He's a fundamentally sound player, but he's also got some explosiveness and burst to his game. And I think he's going to be a guy that um, is probably going to eventually anchor that defensive line. Um, and then on the offensive side of the ball, the guy I think could really make a huge jump um, once he gets to the college level and gets some more development is Brandon Henderson. Um, Henderson is a guy that, I think it's overshadowed at times because he's lining up next to Miles McVay that's going to Alabama and Paris Patterson that's going to Arkansas. It's two SEC recruits. But Henderson hasn't been playing football all that long, and for him to be as developed as he is at this stage and have some of the traits that he has at this stage, if if Bart Miller can take that clay and mold him over the next two years, you're looking at a multi-year starter on that offensive line. I mean, the guy looks comfortable already at left tackle, for a team that runs a pretty, uh, pretty high octane offensive scheme. So, you know, having a guy like that, that's, that's well conditioned, that has that sort of skill already. Um, you know, I, I think the ceiling is very, very high for him. And, and that's one guy who I expect to, to probably have a breakout over the course of his career in Champaign. All right, Ryan, sir, before I let you go, any final thoughts? Uh, no, I mean, obviously we'll, we'll see if, if Brett leaves any nuggets later on, uh, as whether they're done yet or not. Um, I, he's usually pretty deliberate about, about keeping those things hush hush, but you know, all in all, I think it's a good class. Obviously there's some spots where I think they, they would have liked to have been more complete. Um, but I think they addressed a lot of needs this, this class combined with the last one. Um, I think they complement each other well. Um, but as I was coming on, I know you, you guys had mentioned how big eight and four was for this team this year. And I, I, I don't want to look ahead too soon, but I think that is probably going to have a bigger impact on the 2024 class than it will this class. This class, obviously, I think it helped hold things together. I think it helped solidify the class and, and keep guys on board, especially with some coaching change at significant positions. But 
I think where you're going to see that impact is 2024 because they're they're going to have those bowl practices. They're going to probably host a few recruits down down around for that. They'll talk to them about it. The, the recruits will get to see it on TV. So getting that sort of PR and that sort of momentum, I think, is, is going to be bigger for the future than it is right now for the present. Great stuff, Ryan. Thank you, man. All right, thanks, guys. All right, great stuff uh, from Ryan Easterling. So, Joey, we're, we're waiting. Uh, Desmond Schuster is, is the one we've been waiting on. Uh, Juco signee or commit in the class. Three-star offensive lineman. Great length. Uh, but two Juco kids. Let's talk a little bit about that. Caleb Patterson coming in. We've also had, obviously – uh, Schuster coming in on the offensive line, the staff has gone the Juco route and, and to have those connections. And I, I talked with Bart Miller before, I think they see a window or an opportunity, maybe, um, you know, they kind of get under-recruited now, Juco kids with the portal. Uh, Juco used to, everybody would wanted these kids because they're the ones you could add immediately that could help you right away. Now you can just do the portal that way. Illinois might see a market inefficiency here with the Juco's and They've added some talent, including Isaiah Adams and Zai Chrysler, who made a big impact last year. Yeah, there's a, there's a space there for that, right? And, you know, Illinois, we were talking about this uh, at Marianne's. I missed the Elvis show that you saw this morning, Jared, but we were, or, uh, Jeremy. We were talking about this at Marianne's. Recently, when you look at Isaiah Adams, when you look at Zai Chrysler, those are two of the better Juco producing guys that you've seen at Illinois in the last eight years. And, and the obvious I'm, I'm omitting Delshawn Phillips was awesome as a mm-hmm. junior college transfer, but you're seeing those two guys. And I think, especially on the offensive line, we'll get into Caleb Patterson, especially on the offensive line. That is a pitch, right? Like that is, if you're Brett Bielma and certainly that has been used by Brett Bielma is, Hey, look at what we did with Isaiah Adams. We bulked him up. We made him into you know an all Big Ten level player. Look at what we did with Zy Chrysler. We trimmed him down, and we they made him a starter. So I think those things are appealing uh, for junior college when you have literally in your building right now when when they come on uh, visits, you have those tr- those examples right there. And junior college cornerback made a lot of sense for this too, Jeremy, right? Because obviously you're missing. I mean, Devin Witherspoon, don't overlook. I say that no one's overlooking the loss of Devin Witherspoon. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a big one. And Caleb Patterson, like he's got some of those traits. I, I think Illinois likes Aaron Henry likes those, those aggressive, those kind of Aaron, Aaron, Aaron Henry said a thousand times, those dogs, right. And, and there's, there's kind of a path that uh, Caleb Patterson was overlooked a little bit coming out of high school, they found him at Pearl River Community College, and that's parlayed. And the Devin Witherspoon pitch to him was very much used and very much meaningful in terms of the development. So maybe a market inefficiency with the way the portal has developed. And Illinois kind of sees a window to maximize and capitalize on that. Yeah, they've done a really nice job there. And I think Caleb Patterson would be the heavy favorite to start at cornerback, right? And he gets here in January. Um, and I think that's going to be really important. You know, Tyler Strain, I, we saw some good things late in the season when he was healthy. Um, and then we see, you see a guy like uh, Xavier Scott, who's playing out of position. He's supposed to be a nickel. They moved him to corner because they had so many injuries. Tyson Rooks, we know Aaron Henry loves, uh, is a corner, six foot three, really long, really athletic, former tennis player. So kind of like Sabor Kareem, he's a really fluid mover. Right. So I think that's what they really like about these guys. Um, but they, they need somebody that can play right away. And, and Caleb Patterson certainly gives them that. As for Desmond Schuster, uh, he's an interesting one, right? Because he might not get here until June. 
uh, due to some academic things. He's just a freshman. Um, he might not get here until June, but he's got three years of eligibility, extremely long player, athletic, big, six foot five, 311 pounds, but he's got some rawness to him, right? So you have Avery Jones, you have Jordan Slaughter, you have uh, Zy Chrysler, Isaiah Adams probably kicking out to tackle now. And if you get Julian Pearl back, if you get Desmond Schuster as a sixth, seventh, eighth guy on your offensive line, now you're starting to build the depth, Joey, that you need. Uh, the depth that, if you remember, 16 or so short months ago, Brett Bielema was – I don't even know the right word. There's a lot of questions about his, his uh, descriptions of where that offensive line room was, all of which were fair, all of which were accurate, and all of which were representative of where it was. Flash forward to now, and you know we'll see what plays out with the NFL draft in terms of Julian Pearl. Uh, but you got six, seven. I don't know if you'd feel comfortable stretching to eight guys to go in there and to that, that you would feel comfortable, more comfortable than not. I should say putting them in a Big Ten game. Like a year ago, Jeremy, when they signed Chrysler and shoot or and Isaiah Adams, it was like, oh my goodness, they have got to get these guys starting immediately, if not sooner. I don't know if right now. I, I have that same feeling about Schuster. Maybe it's because it's a June enrollee, but it's also representative of the short and long-term depth uh, that they're building there. And that, that's a good sign. If if he comes in and wins it out, all right. Like, that, that's your guy. But you don't have to have someone win it out. I think that's just a development of a program. Well, yeah, and we, we can talk about Jordan Slaughter potentially coming back for his sixth year, right? Um, and then you get Zachary Barlow, who's got a little bit of experience. Hunter Whiteneck played as a freshman, right? He's a, he's going to be a true sophomore next year. I think he could be in the mix at guard, potentially be a backup right tackle for you. And the staff does seem higher on, on Josh Geske, um, who, who's a redshirt sophomore. He's added a lot of good weight uh, since he's gotten here in that class of 2021. Uh, so it's been nice to see uh, that they're, they're starting to develop that depth that you need at that position. That Illinois uh, has not had the last couple of years, and fortunately they haven't had uh, some big injuries at that position. We haven't talked and focused yet on Caden Fagan, that, that the number one headliner in this class, if you're going by ranking four-star running back, six foot two, six foot three, maybe Joey, 235 pounds, a second straight year where you add an in-state running back uh, who's big, who's different than most running backs teams are taking. You've seen Caden Fagan more than I have up close and personal, obviously playing at a lower level, I think our expectations for him early are lower than most fans would have for a four-star because there's going to be a big transition for him, right? Plus, Illinois at running back, uh, you know, Chase Brown, haven't heard his decision yet. I think we've leaned to him going pro after such a great year. NIL can change those conversations. But you get Reggie Love back, you get Josh McCray back, Aiden Lawford, Jordan Anderson in their second years. They won't need Caden Fagan right away. But what is Illinois getting in Caden Fagan? An adult. I mean, this is a large kid. Like, he he's truly enormous. Uh, like, Jordan Anderson, I mean, I think that's fair, right? They, they look roughly similar in terms of their build. Uh, and he's he's got more speed, I think, than you would think for somebody as big as he is. I, I remember at my last stop, uh, I heard this freshman. They're like, hey, there's this freshman who's going to win, you know, who could win state or place top five at state and, and long jump or – or triple jump, I can't remember exactly which one it was. And it was Caden Fagan, and obviously he he turned into uh, quite a quite a prospect for Illinois. But to the point, I, I think we need to zoom out a little bit first and say, 
he was the first commit in this class. I think that was every bit intentional by Brett Bielema and this coaching staff to get that buzz, to get that pop. And they worked their butts off to get this guy, right? I mean, I remember he was on campus. He, he had come over here several times. He was a somebody Illinois zoomed in on early in the process because you kind of have to when he's 40 minutes away and, and, and he's turned in and he's had the offers that eventually came. Uh, so I, I think that mattered. I think it mattered perception-wise. I think it mattered in, in a lot of different ways to get him. But I think to your point, and I think it's also important to note, this is a running back room that has some guys in there. Like, you don't need him to come in right away. We know he's dealt with some injuries in high school. I think that's something to monitor in a similar way that Aiden Lawfrey did. Uh, but to get him in early and a position of strength, man, I, th- I think that's a big one for Illinois. And he's a big – I don't know, you know, if you would describe him as a big physical back, like you would describe Jordan Anderson, but he's a big back with some move. And I think that that plays for Brett Bielema systems. Uh, let's start with some of these special guests, shall we? All right. Uh, we got, we got a few guys uh, waiting for you. So patience to one of these guys, but let's, let's start with Sabor Kareem. who's the first one in the room, four-star defensive back, just signed with Illinois out of West Orange in New Jersey. Sabor, congrats on signing today, man. How are you? Thank you. I'm good. How are you? Doing great, man. Well, just tell us why Illinois, because I, I know you had so many great options uh, as a Power Five prospect, a unique prospect. But why Illinois at the end of the day for you? Uh, I felt as though I could go play in the Big Ten. You know, that's big time football. Um, at, while at the same time, uh, earning good education, and then uh, the biggest component was the family environment. So I knew going to Illinois, I'd be around people that um would help mold me into the person I wanted to become. Coach Boo has gotten into New Jersey a little bit um, and, and gotten some of these Garden State guys. Uh, what is it about New Jersey? What is it about Coach Boo, too, early on in this process that stood out to you? Uh, Coach Boo was um, – before I got actually got offered, Coach Boo had been up to the school three times to see me. So um, I knew they were kind of invested. You know, he always uh, – he was early in my junior year, you know, when I was a little bit skinnier, you know, not fast, not as strong. He was like, uh, we definitely see the potential, you know, and – um. As I played throughout my junior year, you know, I had a pretty good year. Um, you know, he came back and uh, got on the phone with Coach Henry and he offered me. But um, but the biggest thing with Coach Boo is, like, I, I knew that he cared about me more than just a recruit. Like, uh, you know, we had built a relationship where it was becoming more like a mentor to teach a certain thing. Like, he would just call me, you know, asking me how I'm doing, how school going, you know, if there's anything he could do to help. Um, you know, he would just call, you know, talk about my little sister. You know, she'd get on the phone, talk with him, stuff like that. Um uh, I think for New Jersey, you know, a lot of guys, uh, we got this chip on our shoulder because we're such a small part of the country that oftentimes we get overlooked. So, um, you know, when we get to the stage, you know, get to go to the camps and stuff like that, we uh, we put on for our state. Support, uh, congratulations on signing your guy who it seems like may have some versatility in, in that defensive secondary. Where's Illinois told you they see you in this? And what stands out about what their secondary did this year? Um. You know, where they see me fit is kind of uh, playing the matchup role in the boundary, you know, with some of the bigger receivers in the Big Ten. Um, at the same time, you know, they play such a unique defense where you kind of are positionless in many ways in certain places. So, uh, you know, I played safety for a long time when I was younger, um, you know, playing there, you know, just being versatile and, you know, fitting the system well. I think that with uh, the defensive back room, what they did this year was um, kind of unseen. You know, we didn't give up a passing touchdown for a long stretch of games. So, um you know, things like that. That's kind of what intrigued me about the the, the defensive scheme. 
you got a new defensive coordinator in Illinois uh, with Aaron Henry. What, what's the conversation been like with him, and what do you think about him getting that job? Uh, you know, he kind of – well, he called me. He called me a little bit early and told me uh, just to, to relieve my uh, worries. You know, I was I was proud of him, you know. Like, uh, he kind of became more of like a, uh, a mentor figure throughout my recruitment process. You know, I, I knew that you know, him being my position coach was a blessing. And so now him being my – Defensive coordinator on top of that, I can't be more happy. Well, Sabor, there's not a lot of six foot three corners. Um, it's it's usually harder for guys who are six foot three to to stick with all these fast wideouts. What what do you credit to being able to play that position despite being that long? Uh I played everything when I was growing up. Play uh basketball, lacrosse. Baseball, I got him played everything. So uh, a lot of things come second nature. You know, I played football for a real long time. And um, I think that I kind of grew into my body for a long time. I was the kid that was just long. You know, I didn't have that twitch to me. But uh, as, as I got older and put in the hours and put in the work, uh, you know, my skills got better. T- tell me a little bit about this lacrosse. I hear you're pretty good. Um, and, and how does that translate to football? Uh, I, I, uh, I give lacrosse a lot of credit for my hand-eye coordination. Um, for, you know, various reasons. Um, you know, I started playing in the fourth grade. So, um, you know, as it just, I just I just kept playing. You know, I have a almost equal amount of love for the game of lacrosse because it's so different. But uh, it kind of correlates over, you know, a lot of things like being open field, you know, clearing the ball, being in the open field. And then the physical aspect of it too that, um, you know, kind of falls right into what football does. Uh, so, boy, those cornerback rooms got a lot of height. Uh, Tyson Rooks is also a large guy. Uh, what do you like about some of those guys in the room that you're going to be joining? Um, you know, my biggest thing was I wanted to, you know, I wanted to be around Spoon a little bit, you know, just because uh, he was bad. I knew that he was, this was junior year, and I knew he was going to have a big year, but uh, I didn't think it was going to be this big. I, I, I was on my OV. They was, I was like, they saying that um, they saying that you have a good year, you going. But, you know, like, you know, kind of having those vets in the room, kind of having big brother rules, um, that was kind of my, my big forward to. I know they still going to be around, you know. But um, the guys in the room now, um, as far as the recruits I got to know, like uh, Juice and Toby, um, I'm kind of looking forward just to play with guys of those caliber, you know what I mean? So like, that's just my, one of my biggest takeaways about the guys in the room right now. How important was it to see that development of Devin Witherspoon? He's being mocked in some first rounds. He was an All-American. What, what's that like to see how they kind of turned him and, and helped turn him into that? Um, it kind of proves that the people that are that are, are coaching him uh, know what they're doing. You know, a lot of guys don't go from no stars to first-round draft picks. And, uh, you know, that takes a lot of personal work, which we got to give him credit for. But uh, at the same time, the coaches around him also helped him get there. So, um, you know, that's, that was why uh, – that was that's really what I see, you know, being the biggest thing. Sabor, before we let you go, uh, can you can you fill us in? Uh, something fans should know about you away from the field, uh, an interest or anything like that. Uh, I like to listen. To music. I, li- I listen to a lot of different music. Um, you know, I, I enjoy listening to music. I like to read. Um, I don't know. You know, what, what's, the, what's the what's what's on the playlist and what's the recent book you've read? Uh, the Forty Eight Laws of Power is the last book I read. I got the I got. I think we might have lost Sabor. Well, Sabor, if you can hear us, man, hey, we we, we appreciate it. Um, let's go right to it. 
Um, Cal Swanson, you've been waiting patiently. We appreciate it. The quarterback in the class of 2023 for Illinois at Ardmore, Oklahoma. Cal, congrats on signing today, man. How'd it feel? Uh, it feels really good. Uh, it's just kind of like a, kind of a getting like a rock off your shoulder. It's just kind of a relief to finally do it, man. Uh, it was just a good feeling. Well, Cal, can you tell me, take us through the story of how Illinois got involved, Barry Lonnie finding you, and uh, you becoming an Illini because he spent the whole spring kind of looking for a quarterback and he came to you. Yeah. Um, I didn't really, <clears throat> I didn't really talk to coach Lonnie until probably about a week before spring ball, my first week of spring ball. And I go down to this trainer uh, in Plano, uh, it's QB country. His name's Landry Con, uh, and the, the QB country, the actual like, uh, the top dude for it, his name is um, David Morris. And I think David Morris got in contact with Coach Wani, and that's how Coach Wani actually found out about me. And um, that's just kind of when it really started, and I got in contact with him. What do you like about what he was able to do with Tommy DeVito this year? And also, how much research did you have to do into Illinois when all this started to pick up over the summer? I, I did quite a bit uh, for one of my college classes. I actually did an essay and actually that helped me quite a bit with like, just like a lot of research. Just uh, we had to do an essay over in college. So I did uh, Illinois and um, a lot of things I learned and it was actually a really good essay, but uh, the, the things he, uh, things he did with DeVito, I think it was really good. Um, DeVito, I don't, he didn't probably have like the best year at Syracuse, but he came to Illinois and he really, he was really high completion uh, percentage, and he did everything right, and I think uh, the offense was really good for him. You're going to get here as an early enrollee. Cal, what do, you want to, what do you want to accomplish from January through spring ball as you get adapted? Uh, I just kind of want to – I mean, that's, that's, that's kind of what I want to do is just adapt and uh, just kind of learn everything of Illinois and just, uh, just get adapted to everything uh, that's going on up there and just get the feel for all of it. Cal, you're a pretty good athlete um, outside of football. Um, you can see that when, when you're on the field, whether it's your track speed or, or your athleticism. Um, who do you kind of monitor, model your game after? Um, how would you kind of describe your play as a quarterback? Um, I would I, like – I kind of uh... – like, a dude in college that I do, like, kind of want to model myself after is probably, like, Caleb Williams. I mean, uh, whenever he was at OU, that's whenever I first kind of noticed him, and that's who I kind of have been modeling my game after. And I really like Aaron Rodgers in the NFL. Uh, Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes are my two favorite. You had to mention Aaron Rodgers to me, a Bears fan, and Joey – a Packers fan. So Joe, Joey's happy about that one, right, Joe? Couldn't be happier. <laughs> well, well, Cal, um, what do you, what do you think of coach Lonnie? Why, why did you think you fit in, in his offense? Um, and, and what, what attracted you uh, about him as your coach? Well, um, in his offense, it actually, uh, it's pretty similar to my uh, high school offense. It's a bunch of RPOs and a bunch of quick game. And it's uh, using your quarterback as an athlete and, just um, I think my quick release, he kind of noticed that. And I think that uh, goes along with his offense pretty well. And 
I think it's just getting the ball out to athletes and letting them make plays is really a big part of his offense. Yeah, I, I think when people think Brett Bielema coached uh, teams, they, they think of pound the ball, run the ball, and, and not, not a lot of passing, but he, he's adapted to that, Cal, over the course of his time, right. especially at Illinois. What did you see that was encouraging or, or, or kind of that step forward in the way that they threw the ball around this year as compared to maybe what some people might think of, of what Brett has as a coach? Um, I'm sorry. You're kind of yeah, what, what, sorry. What what'd you just think of the way that they threw the ball around this year kind of goes against what some people think of coach B's offenses. Well, I think, uh, um, I think they passed the ball really well. And I think DeVito helped with that because with every pass, he didn't really make that many bad passes. If you watch, I mean, he did really everything right. And I think that gave uh, coach B a lot of trust in him and, uh, him and Chase Brown back there were really just a really solid duo, and I think that really just put a lot of trust in both of them. Cal, obviously there's a transition to playing quarterback in high school to uh, college level, probably bigger transition than most any position, quarterback in a line, I would imagine, are the t- two top ones. So w- what do you think is going to be the key for you as you get in here early? Um, what, what, what does Coach Lonnie talk about that he wants to work on with you once you get in here? Uh, I think just learning that playbook. Uh, there's a bunch of different, um, what's it called? Uh, just like different wording uh, for all of the, sorry, different plays and all that. And I think that's going to be like one of my top priorities is just learning that playbook and uh, just really studying it day in, day out. Well, Cal, um, what, you got a big transition coming up from Oklahoma. I know it's not the, the warmest place, but uh, what are you looking forward to when you get to Champaign in a month, man? Uh, I'll probably make a snowman or two. Yeah. Yeah. going to be pretty, going to be pretty cold, but I'm ready for it. I don't really care. And, but uh, yeah, I'm just really ready to get up there. I don't know if Tank Wright would throw me out of this conversation for saying this, but Cactus Grill is right by the stadium. <laughs> and if I can plug that to anybody, great tacos, honey grilled chicken, change your life, man. Yeah. Uh, I actually heard about that. Um, I was on my official visit and they were talking about that. Yeah. Well, hey, Cal Swanson, appreciate your time, man. Congrats again, and then we'll see you at spring ball, all right? Yes, sir. Thank you. All right. Great stuff from the Illini quarterback. We should bring in an in-stater, Joey. How about it? Um, a, kid, a kid that Illini fans uh, have really gravitated towards on social media. He's had a lot of fun with it. Uh, from the east side, uh, linebacker Antoine Hayden is going to join us now. JoJo, Hello. what's up, man? What's up, fam? Well, congratulations on signing. What was this like today, man? Man, it's been crazy today, man. Really crazy. What What made you – I mean, you have been one of the most outspoken members of this class, right, on social media, all of that, JoJo. What's it like for you to see this all come together? Your teammate Brandon Henderson joins with you. Uh, what is this whole process, since you were one of the first on board, what's this been like for you? It's been crazy, you know. Committed for a long time, recruiting people to play with you. It's just like, it's been fun. It's been some up and downs with it, but it's just been fun all together, to be honest with you. Why does that role, uh, JoJo, as a recruiter, why, why does that work so well for you? See, I don't know if you got like a direct line from Brett Bielema's phone to Twitter, but you seem to be really embracing that. Yeah, I do. Uh, is it? It's a... <laughs> but nah, it's a... Uh, it's not really much in line. It's just come play play for the home state, honestly. 
is just come come play for the home state and make make this team better. So that's that's really the pitch, really. Just have fun. Uh, I know new defensive coordinator uh, JoJo at Illinois, Aaron Henry. How much do you know about him? And I know Andy Boo was really important for you in your recruiting process. But what was that like to kind of see that transition go through? Uh, it's not. It, it wasn't. It was a, a, a good change for him, but it's not really a drastic change from Walters to Henry. I mean, the scheme won't change. The defense will stay the same. It's not really much of a big deal, honestly. So I, I feel great about it. Me and Coach Henry real tight. I just talked to him this morning about the defense and the scheme, so we should be good. Well, JoJo, the last game that you played was in the stadium, winning a state championship uh, after finishing second the year before. What was that like to, to score a touchdown here uh, in your future home and just to end your high school career where you're going to start your uh, college career? It feels great, especially scoring on the on the on the home field. You know, getting my first double memorial. It was just like it was just crazy. It felt like I was in college. It was just it was a fun experience. You know, winning the game, scoring. It was just all fun. Well, JoJo, when Illinois offered you, you were kind of under the radar somehow. Um, and then some other power yeah. five offers came around. So wh why did you want to stick with Illinois, and, and why was this your home uh, that you've made official today? Um, really because they they believe in me, honestly. First power five school to offer me. I really take that a lot, you know. It's a, it means a lot to me. And then it's close to home. The scheme is perfect for me. I could be outside, inside, hand down. It's just real perfect for me. It's just everything's just perfect for me. Just the scenery, the people, the coaches, just everything is perfect. How much work went into getting Brandon to join with you? And, and how did he tell you that he was on board? That was probably the hardest one, like, the hardest one. He was getting on my nerves. One day he wanted to flip, one day he don't want to flip. And then we finally got him to flip. I mean, he was real Iowa State for so long. But I had to, you know, open his eyes and tell him how Coach B do all linemen and stuff like that. So he, he finally came on board. What was the moment like? How did he tell you? Did he text you? Was it in person? How how'd you find out? It was in person. I was, he was like, he was like, bro. I'm, going, I'm about to flip. I'm like, right now, do it today. Do it today. Get your end and do it today. He said, I'm about to flip. I said, okay. He got it done. You know, we jumped up all down the hallways. We, I think we might have got rolled up or something, but I don't know. Well, JoJo, uh, Illinois has been trying to crack into the east side again for, for a while here. Um, what has what this staff done well uh, to recruit you guys? Because obviously there's so much talent coming out of East St. Louis year after year. I say make us believe, honestly. Make us believe a pipeline can be rebuilt. Make us believe winning can be done. Just make us believe that the home state can be winning again. You know what I mean? The last, These last two years, he's been showing that, honestly. So that's what he made us believe. Well, JoJo, you're such an interesting weapon uh, as a defender because I feel like they could line you up in so many different ways. Uh, how are you expecting uh, to make an impact on the field? Like, what's the coaching staff tell you about uh, how they plan they, to use you? They told me I'm going to play my hand down, outside, a lot of outside and a lot of inside. That's what they've been telling me in those three in rotation. And I might get a little run. <laughs> that's, that's well, I, I know you – and you mentioned their belief, right? And, and like they got you guys to believe. How big was an eight and four season? And to see that happen, that run they went on in October, like, yeah, I know you talked to a lot of recruits, JoJo. How big do you feel like that was just in building this whole class? I feel like it was big. I mean, on their end, they 
they told us what they're going to do and they did it. I, that's the belief part. I feel like they did. So them to do that and show us what they could do, I, I feel like on our end, we got to do we got to do is stay in, stay in state and win, win more football games. Uh, I know you talked about being able to do a couple different things in this defense. Who do you model your game after? What college player, NFL player? Like who do you look at and say that's that's the type of game I'm trying to play? Uh, probably Michael Parsons. Knew it. Maybe Michael Parsons. <laughs> yeah, maybe Michael Parsons. That's what I did. I was going to say, that's, that's the perfect one. Well, well, hey, JoJo, appreciate your time, man. Before we let you go, I got to ask for the Illini fans, what's next? What's coming next in the 2023 class? <laughs> Stay tuned, J-Ray It's going to be big. It's going to be big. I got to gotcha. say that's that's all I got to say. Stay got tuned. JoJo, hey, congrats, man. Appreciate the time this morning, man. Man, appreciate y'all too. Thank you. It's good stuff. Man, that was good, fun. He is going to be a fun guy to cover. He is going to be a really fun dude to cover. Yeah, no, thanks to all those guys. Sabor, awesome. uh, Cal, and, and JoJo. We kind of put this together late because we didn't know how, how this would all work. But uh, appreciate those guys uh, giving us some time, giving us some insight. Hopefully the fans all enjoyed that. You think JoJo knows something about January 7th, the day Malik Ellisey decides? I think that – I think the fans may have enjoyed the hour and eight minutes before that, but that, like, one minute at the end may have been their favorite part of uh, the whole thing. Yeah, no, that that was fantastic stuff. And I I agree – like, listen, Illinois right now has three crystal balls in favor of Malik Ellisey, one of them being mine. Uh, He didn't visit anywhere else but Illinois, to my knowledge – uh, since he decommitted from Cincinnati, you add him to this class. We kind of started this whole broadcast, Joey, talking about this class. If they add Malik Elzey, if nothing else changes in the Big Ten West, which you could, right? But Illinois would have the most four-star prospects among the Big Ten West teams, and they would have the highest-ranked Big Ten West recruiting class. That would be number five in the Big Ten. Uh, that would be a significant step forward in recruiting, a significant step forward Um, for Illinois football's perception in recruiting in the state. If you can add somebody like JoJo and Brandon, right, from East St. Louis, you add somebody from Central Illinois like Caden Fagan, you add some guys from the suburbs in the Chicago Catholic League, and then you add, oh, the top Chicago Public League kid in Malik Elzey. Man, if I would have told you before the year, you get Caden Fagan, Malik Elzey, and some T.J. McMillan and Hayden and Henderson, I think you'd be feeling pretty good about your in-state recruiting class. Yeah, the 23 was a big, both in terms of barometer, how far could a year, two years? I mean, I know George McDonald told Malik Elzey two years ago, I'm going to recruit you until the day you sign somewhere. Uh, obviously, from George McDonald, the hope was that was going to be in Champaign. Uh, so, so this is what you see with two years of being able to recruit. You have that on the field. And then there's the talent pool, Jeremy, was ex- like it existed in the 23 class for Illinois to do this within the state. Now, you've still got to do it. But there were some options there, and Illinois did a good job maximizing those options. They probably knew which recruits they were going to be able to get, make inroads with and which ones they weren't. If you're not, you got to find those guys who you, you are able to. But this class, maybe not as many, right? Not as many instators as, as the wave that they got last yeah. year. But there, there's a lot of talent, man. There, there's a lot of talent that was in this class. They, they've got – a lot of it, or a good amount of it, some key ones that may be on their way. It depends on, you know, if JoJo Hayden is the, the official voice for that. But uh, they, they may be on the way for more. That It was big. They had to do that, Jeremy, and they did. And it shows 
where they're not playing catch up, they're going to put themselves in a lot of battle. And, and I wanted to make this point earlier. You said Michigan has been a thorn in the side of Illinois. Think just like, and you're not wrong. And, and yeah. you could say the other way, Illinois has been a thorn in the side of Michigan. Just like let that sink in. It wasn't long ago that Illinois wasn't battling Michigan at all. Illinois wasn't battling a lot of the Big Ten. And I say that, and I'm aware that there, there are prospects in this class without other Power Five offers. But to be a thorn in Michigan's side or Michigan to be a thorn in your side, you're punching in the right weight classes to be where you need to be as a program. Billy, there was a signing day a couple of years ago where Illinois was battling Middle Tennessee for a safety. And Reed Blankenship, who's now in the NFL, which is great eval by Lovey Smith, he chose to stick with Middle Tennessee. Like So, so the recruiting battles you're, you're getting into now, listen, you don't like losing them. You don't like losing Roderick Pierce. You don't like losing Deacon Taniel. You don't like losing Frederick Moore. And we'll see what happens with Jair Hill later today. But those battles you're starting to win. Iowa, you beat for a couple guys last year, right? Like you're beating some of these Big Ten programs. You beat Iowa for Caden Fagan. This year, Iowa's going to win their battles against you too, right? But those are the battles you definitely want to be in. Uh, so it's nice to see that. Malik Elzey, if you can add him, is exactly what this wide receiver room needs on top of a guy like Colin Dixon, on top of guys like Ian Pugh and Ashton Hollins and Sean Miller and Hank Beatty. Again, we'll repeat ourselves here, but George McDonald's doing a really good job there. But Malik Elzey is a kind of Malik Turner kind of guy. Uh, go up and get it physical. What I loved most when I saw Malik Elzey play in person as a junior, mind you, his first game as a junior is playing against Jordan Anderson, Malachi Hood, and Juliet Catholic. It was a phenomenal matchup. Um, Juliet Catholic was a way better team, especially in the trenches. But Malik Elzey was so physical on defense. I loved seeing that. I love seeing that demeanor. He's not just a skill guy. He's going to go out and block people. Uh, but he's also going to go up and catch a ball and, and has a chance to break away from you. He's the type of skill player Illinois hasn't landed, especially at wide receiver, uh, in, in a while. Um, so if they can add him to this class on top of somebody we're high on in Colin Dixon, Canary Wilshire with that kind of speed, like you're saying, Joey, that's a versatile, different types of pieces because I feel like Colin Dixon can play in the slot at some points. Uh, Malik Elsey's the big physical guy, and then Canary Wilcher's the burner. It'd be a well-rounded wide receiver class. And it stacks off of another well-rounded wide receiver yeah. class as you balance some guys like Malik Elsey, Colin Dixon, who we think could come in and, when I say make an impact, I mean, take some snaps early. Uh, and then compliment guys like an Ian Pugh and Ashton Hollins, who are going to take a little more time physically to get there. So there's a lot of complimentary moves going on in that room, but to stack another good one on top of what I thought you and I probably agreed in 22 was, was a fine, fine to above average. I, I don't know, receiver room to stack what, what was objectively a pretty good receiver room is that's a big deal, man. And, and George McDonald and, and Brett Beal, I get a lot of credit for prioritizing that. And, and look, we also have to acknowledge they've allotted seven scholarships in the last two classes for wide receivers. Like, there is a commitment. The 25-man rule being eliminated probably aids that a little bit. Uh, but they, they put words or put the, the resources into allowing space to, to build that room. Yeah, I'm, I'm just bringing up the scholarship chart here because, you know, Brian Hightower, Casey Washington have one more year of eligibility. Kamari Thompson, not sure if he'll be back, uh, not this year. But Patrick Bryant, Isaiah Williams uh, are, are the two guys that could be here for a couple more years. Will Isaiah Williams be here beyond next year? Not sure. But you're going to – you're going to have a lot of returners at wide receiver this year. But after that, it's basically a completely new room with, with Pat Bryant, 
Hank Beatty, Sean Miller, Ashton Hollins, Ian Pugh, uh, Colin Dixon, Kenari Wiltshire, right? So, uh, and then if you add Malik Elsie to that, that's as talented of a wide receiver room as I can remember for Illinois since Malik Turner and Geronimo Allison, I think Mike Dudek were here when, when Wes Lunt was, was tossing the pill around. So um, that, that's a pretty impressive job uh, that, that George McDonald has done with what was honestly, we got to be frank, maybe the weakest position group that Brett Bielma inherited outside of maybe quarterback, right? Like those two positions, there's a reason Illinois had struggled throwing the ball uh, for, for many of the years under Lovey Smith. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and they, Brett Bielema, I mean, he, he didn't say it, obviously, but you can look at the moves he made when he got here. Isaiah Williams, Deuce Span. I mean, that, that says a lot of, you know, you got a Caleb Griffin uh, for, for a brief spring was a wide receiver. So, yeah, that room has come an awfully long way, Jeremy. And I, I think it's also important. Colin Dixon's coach told me when I talked with him for a coach speak, hey, he, you know, the, Illinois is going to has thrown it around more. They're going to continue to do that. We talked when Barry Lunny was hired. We talked a lot through the season. That pitch, that on-tape pitch that, hey, we're, we're not afraid to throw this thing. And, and Brett Bielma, Jeremy, you and I know this. Early on when we talked to him, back in 2021, in those early parts, that spring ball, and it would kind of be like brought up to him, like, hey, you know, you guys like to run, run, run. It did not take him long. I mean, he knew, and he pushed back, like, no, no, we throw it a little bit here too. And, and you know, he didn't really see a ton of that successfully a year ago. And I think that's a big impetus of why Barry Lonnie was brought in, and obviously they threw it more, and it sounds like they're not done. Uh, throwing the ball and they might do it more, especially if Chase Brown moves forward. Yeah. I think that's what they're telling people is they're going to throw the ball around a little bit. All right. Let's bring up Jair Hill. Right. Um, because Jair has got a decision that he's finally going to share with the world today. Four star defensive back out of Kankakee. I don't think Illinois could do anything better than they have done in this recruitment. They offered him before any other school, not just power five school, any school they offered the kid from Kankakee six foot three 180 pounds ridiculous athlete we've seen how competitive he is in person Joey I've watched him a few times man I like Sabor Kareem a lot him and Jair Hill have a lot of very similar traits but another top five in-state prospect the problem is Michigan kind of was right after Illinois and has recruited him really well but Illinois was visit him more than any other school. He visited Illinois more than any other school. Of course, Ryan Walters uh, decides to move on. He was a big part of that recruitment. Purdue makes the top five. We'll see if uh, Ryan Walters can surprise everybody today. Michigan not in the top five, which is really odd because they've been in the top two the entire time. So it just perks your antennas up of what do the Brian Windhorst. What's happening here? Like what, 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 what's, what's going on here? You kids and your memes. <laughs> So we got to figure out where, where Jair Hill goes. Uh, hasn't been a lot of buzz for Illinois here recently. Um, I can, you can never blame the kid for going to Michigan, right? Two Big Ten championships back-to-back, going to the college football playoff, certainly a premier program. So I, I thought we'd come in here today talking about Jair Hill going to Michigan. I guess we'll find out in four hours. Yeah, you know, it's, it's one of those, the recruitment really hasn't been wild, hasn't been – I know I called it up and down earlier, and I sat on that for a little bit. I don't know if that's right either. He's just been really quiet about his intentions. The only curveball was the top five that didn't include Michigan, which is 
probably a smoke screen. I don't know. I mean, I we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I think this is similar to the to the Roderick Pierce thing. Illinois could not have done anything better. They they couldn't have. They they did. They got him on campus nine times, Jeremy. Nine times. That's unbelievable. That's an unbelievable amount of times to get a kid on campus. Uh, so. You lose a battle to Michigan if that's what it comes down to. You lose one. Uh, Ryan Walters, we have to say, and I know you touched on he did an awesome job recruiting Dreyer Hill. He locked in on him early, and he did a really, really good job recruiting him. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll see what 3 o'clock brings. I, I, don't, I don't know how much to expect. Well, he doesn't say a lot, man. I, when you talk to him, I remember you talked to him at camp. And you're like, hey, I got like three sentences. And we're like, oh, my God, you got three sentences. That's, that's a great deal. That's not a knock on the kids. Some guys just yeah. keep this thing a, a little closer to the vest. So we'll see, man. We'll see. Yeah. As you can see, I pulled up Hudson Card on the computer here. Because what's next in the class of 2023 is a quarterback. And we've learned over the last couple of days – the Illinois hosted two transfer quarterbacks, two top seven transfer quarterbacks, according to 24-7 Sports, during the last week. I heard Hudson Card was a very quick visit to campus, but getting the number three transfer quarterback on campus, uh, I think, is, is a pretty big accomplishment in and of itself, Joey, given where the Illinois program had been before this year. I think it says a lot about Barry Loney, who's got some connections uh, to Hudson Card, uh, but this is a guy that the only reason he's transferring is because he was behind the number one overall prospect <laughs> a couple of years ago in Quinn Ewers. And, oh, Texas has the number one overall prospect, Arch Manning, coming in after this year. And he showed against Alabama again early in the season when Quinn Ewers was hurt that he can be a very good Power 5 quarterback. Uh, great efficiency this year, great completion percentage in Steve Sarkeesian's offense, which obviously is a very modern offense. If they could land Hudson Card, that would be a coup. Um, so these transfer recruitments all tend to be a little bit more quiet, so I'm not sure who else is in play here. Oregon was thought to be in the mix, but Bo Nix is coming back. Um, Notre Dame was thought to be in the mix. They haven't seemed to be in a rush yet of who they're going to land at quarterback. Uh, Oregon State, we hear, he, he visited. Illinois has got a pretty good sell, I think, would, would be even better than Oregon State. So he would be a massive Massive addition, Joey. Um, threw for 900-plus yards, six touchdowns, two interceptions, can run the ball. But as you can see, he's a former top 60 overall prospect. That'd be a pretty big talent upgrade for Illinois um, a year after Tommy DeVito had a fantastic season for him. Yeah, and the thing that I think is on top of his – obviously everything you mentioned, the eligibility, man. He's going to have he, – he's a multi – he's got a two-year guy. He's a multi-year guy. Uh, Illinois needs that. I think you can live year to year in the portal. That, that's a, a thing a lot of programs do, and maybe not a lot, but programs can get by doing that for a, a period of time. But if you can get a guy for two years, man, that's uh, that's something. It would be competition. Right now it's it's domino season and, and quarterback portal recruiting. You, you kind of monitor, okay, X school got X quarterback or X school's having X quarterback return. And then you just kind of got to see, uh, see where the cards are going to fall. <laughs> Nice uh, to see <laughs> to see how that all is going to play out. But the fact that Illinois had him on campus, that that's a good sign. But I, it doesn't matter. Maybe you get him, maybe you don't. But to get him here, that, that's a step forward for Illinois. It, it tells me that people are serious about hearing Illinois' pitch. Uh, and it's a Big Ten program. It's a Big Ten program that's going to play in a, a January 2nd Bowl. Uh, long live 
the Bloomin' Onion. It's no longer the Outback Bowl. But uh, to get him, and then you also get – yeah, pour one out. Pour the, pour the coffee that we need to get out. Uh, but then to also have Luke Altmeyer uh, visit as well, Jeremy. Those are options, right? To, you, you have those options. Look at that. What a transition. We got this thing. New software, same Werner. But, it, <laughs> but to, to have those options – and again, are we saying Illinois is getting one of the two? No, that's you don't know. Transfers keep this thing quiet. Transfer quarterbacks keep it quieter. So we'll see, but to to hear that Illinois' pitch resonates with guys who are sought after in the portal makes you think Illinois. One way this shakes out is going to come out with a pretty solid option. Uh, this picture of Luke Altmaier as a prep prospect, probably as a junior in high school, does not do him justice. He's a bigger man than this. He's a stronger man, uh, and he's got the beard now. He's got the scruff. Uh, Luke Altmaier played in the Sugar Bowl last year after Matt Corral. I think all of us were watching that game. He gets hurt. We're all like, oh my gosh, Luke Altmaier is the guy who came in threw a beautiful deep ball for a touchdown to tie up that game. Uh, they struggled the rest of the game. They really struggled to run the ball. Luke Altmaier showed some flashes in that game of what he's capable of, former four-star prospect. As you can see here, top 200 prospect coming out of high school. This kid has three years of eligibility remaining. And while I think he's probably got some growing pains, he threw two interceptions in that Sugar Bowl, um, but he competed with Jackson Dart, a transfer for that starting job at Ole Miss under Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin and Barry Lunny run very, very similar offenses, zone read, a lot of quick reads, a lot of throws, but he can stretch the field, certainly down the field with a very strong arm. Uh, He's a really good athlete, can make plays with his feet. He made a lot of plays with his feet in that Sugar Bowl game, Uh, but he he lost the job partly because he got hurt. Um, Him and Jackson Dart, they did the Michigan thing at Ole Miss. One started the first game, the other one started the second game. Jackson um, took over in the second game when Luke Altmaier had a little bit of an injury. Um, So he had a chance to win that job at Ole Miss, uh, and he's a very, very talented player. Just hasn't played a lot. Um, So he he doesn't have maybe the the known floor of what Hudson Card has starting several games for for a good, not great Texas team, but certainly a very talented option, Joey, and give Illinois one of its most talented quarterbacks – that's had over the last decade. So the fact that these are two options that have been on campus, and as you said, this game of musical chairs, there's only so many power five spots. And Illinois has a very good sell to quarterbacks, a very good sell being in the Big Ten. Uh, and Barry Loney showing what they could do in this offense with a good offensive line, a good running game, a developing group of wide receivers. Uh, we'll see if it's one of these two. If it's not, I think Illinois, regardless, is going to land a very talented transfer quarterback. Like I don't think Illinois – is going to be the one seat left open. I don't. I think any of these Power Five schools looking for a transfer quarterback is going to be in good shape. Look, JT Daniels just went to Rice. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And and, and uh, boy, am I, I'm drawing a blank on his name. The uh, Miami Ohio quarterback, uh, Brett Gabbert. He went back. That tells you something, right? I mean, we'll, we'll see how it shakes out. And I, I think I know we've talked about this since Northwestern, so I don't want to belabor it too much probably before northwestern i don't i don't know time anymore uh the 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 game of musical chairs is going on but the music's about to stop because january enrollees i mean that's gold right and illinois it's been very clear in our read of things that illinois would like a quarterback here by spring ball and to do that this thing's got to get moving here a, a little bit so I understand there's a level of impatience because it's a quarterback, right? It's a starting quarterback. Illinois is in the market for a starting quarterback. But just hold out because I don't know. I don't think this this song is going to go on 
for much longer. And people probably are rolling their eyes because we've said that since Thanksgiving weekend in Evanston, but now you're really starting to get down to it here. And, and we'll see. I mean, players are going to have to start making some choices and you're seeing that play out throughout the country. Yeah. Devin Leary picking Kentucky. Um, you know, Illinois was an option there, but um, you know, Illinois has got a good sell. And I think they'll land a, a very talented quarterback. And as you said, uh, we'll at least know within the month because they got to have somebody here by January and these guys want to be here by January. Uh, so they can be the starter. The one thing that hasn't, that can't be probably addressed is, is depth at quarterback, right? Yeah. Like Donovan Leary, well-rounded prospect. Kirkland Michaud is kind of this interesting uh, mystery man um, after playing baseball. Yeah. Cal Swanson here in January, but you know, Art Sikowski, I know he wasn't a great starter when he had to start, but it was nice, knowable depth. A guy who had experience, a guy you know could come in and manage a game. We don't know if they have that right now. Uh, maybe Donovan Leary can, can prove himself to be that, and these guys will get much-needed reps during spring ball. But that's why the prep recruiting behind the transfer recruiting is, is really important because it's hard to do what Michigan just did is they got J.J. McCarthy, and they can convince a guy like Jack Tuttle from Indiana to come and be the backup. You know, Art Sikowski did that with Brandon Peters here. I think he thought he was competing with Brandon Peters, but Tuttle knows he's going to be a backup at Michigan. Um, it's hard for Illinois to, to do that. Maybe you can find another Ryan Johnson, yeah. D2 guy, walk on, wants, wants to, to have a chance at the Big Ten level. Um, but it's, it's going to be hard for them to land two transfers, kind of like Nebraska did last year, right? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, players don't enter the portal because they seek to be a backup elsewhere. And, and I think that's the – and I understand. I, I agree. I think Illinois does need two quarterbacks. I don't think Illinois gets two scholarship transfer quarterbacks because it's just really hard to convince somebody to do that. I think exactly what you said, Jeremy, the Ryan Johnson path until this long-term thing starts to get a little more experience and, and play out a little bit. If you could get a Ryan Johnson, Ryan Johnson was here for two years and, and that, that's important. He He's played college football. He's been in that system. I think that's probably the, the market right now and maybe we're both off base I don't think we are but maybe we're both off base and they do end up convincing someone to pull a Jack Tuttle and, and go be a knowing backup but I think if you could you could do a lot worse than, than get a, a Ryan Johnson is pulling a Tuttle a new new phrase for us could be if you want it to be far be it from me to say no I, I don't like to rain on parades as you as you often it. have sorry sorry about that <laughs> should talk about that later um <laughs> All right, Joe, let's, let's bring up. We asked Ryan Easterling, who's his guy in this class. So I asked you, Joey Wagner, who's your guy? You can pick like three or four if you want. I, I do have three. And I wonder, do you want to go back and forth on these or yeah. do you want to go three and three? Okay. So yeah. I think we should say no particular order. I don't think, at least for me, no, no particular yeah. order. Uh, I'm going to start with, I loved, I was kind of mad for Ryan, at Ryan for stealing my thunder. Uh, but I really like the long-term potential of Brandon Henderson. I, I think... He, I mean, he's really raw, Jeremy. I think the COVID year may have been his first year, 2020, playing football. He, he's got it. He, he's got the measurements. He's I've seen him, and you've seen that physicality start to to really come along. I, the game I went down and saw, he was he was quite physical in a blowout. I, I just I think there's something there. I think Bart Miller is going to be able to help him reach that. He's a, he's a long term tackle option for this Illinois program, and, and I think he can really reach his potential here. One of my guys we had on the show. Subor Kareem. I, I'm really happy he's now a four-star composite prospect. 24-7 sports is low on him. I've made my opinion known to 24-7 sports. I think we should have him higher than a mid-three-star uh, prospect. Everything I like about Jair Hill, I like about Subor Kareem. 
with their length, their ball skills, their football IQ, they have a unique fluidity to them. Their ability to get in and out of breaks, their ability to turn their hips and run. That's, that's harder usually for, for long guys. It's like why in tennis it's rare to see somebody like Kevin Anderson have a lot of success because they just don't move as quick as a guy like Rafa Nadal, right? Like it, it's just the smaller you are, the easier it is to turn direction and, and move quick, right? Um, he's got a special ability to do that. And then you put the ball skills. Like he could play wide receiver at a power five level. He was one of the best offensive players in New Jersey, but he's also got a physicality to him at defensive back, the length. I think he could be great at free safety in this scheme, but uh, he also has the, the talent to be corner. So him and Tyson Rooks kind of have that uh, unique ability, but Sabor is coming in as a much more proven football player because Tyson Rooks was very new to the game. But Tyson played a different sport, tennis, that really helps him with his movement. I think the ability to play other sports, like he said, baseball, but lacrosse being a big one, uh, has really helped him. So I don't know how quickly Sabor gets on the field here uh, because of all the youth they have and all the options they have. But when it comes to this class, I think Sabor Kareem has as much star potential as anybody in this class, Joey. Yeah, I'm just trying uh, – I, I tried to get it out of him. I'm just trying to imagine in 2020-something, I don't want to put a year on it because I don't think that's fair, the combo of him and, like, Tyson Rooks opposite each other at corners. Like, there's some real law firm NIL type of opportunity with two gigantic cornerbacks if that's, in fact, where Sabor Kareem ends up. Uh, my second – I say second on uh, uh, three. There's three for each of us here, Jeremy. I'm going to stay in the offensive line room, dude. TJ McMillan's got it. Uh, in terms of – I thought Joey Oakla had a lot of the same leadership type of of qualities about him. TJ McMillan's going to be a multi-year starter here. How many? I don't know. Could it be three, two, three? Probably is in that window. Uh, he's probably going to end up being a team captain. Him and Joey Oakla might split votes somewhere down the line. Uh, I, I Son of a coach, kind of I, – I, I know – I just we covered this staff long enough to know that was an appealing quality uh, for Brett Bielema, for Bart Miller – to be the son of a coach, to be in that family. His brother is a coach in college. He's a center. He, he was sought after, man. People wanted him. This isn't. This was a power five recruiting win in the state. I, I just think he's a guy who can come in here. We've seen that kind of musical chair center position. Uh, after Doug Kramer, we saw Alex Pilstrom. We're going to see that go to Avery Jones. He's going to come in, Jeremy, and have a chance to compete with Josh Krutz in that 24 season. Uh, to compete with, you know, I don't know if Joey Oka is a guy long-term they see at center. I think that was an early thought. I don't know if that's played out how we thought. He's going to be, I mean, 24 is going to be a real chance for this dude to come in here and, and grab that center position for a little bit. Yeah, great burst off the line of scrimmage. And you can tell he is the son of a coach, uh, Bob, who coached in the XFL for, for many, many years. Uh, physical. Uh, he's got some Doug Kramer to him. He's a little bit bigger uh, than, than Doug was. So, uh, he's, he's a prospect. He might even have some Kendrick Green with the way the burst he has. I don't know if he's quite as quick uh, as Kendrick. That, that that made him really special. But uh, TJ's a very high floor guy, uh, I think, in the class. He's He was a guy I was considering for this um, as well. My next guy is Calvin Smith, edge rusher uh, out of Florida. He's a little bit undersized for outside linebacker right now, but so is Jared Beatty, and Jared Beatty had his strength pretty, pretty quickly. Um, Beatty's a guy that I think it has, has a bright future as well. I love what Kevin Kane did in this outside linebacker room, what he left it for whoever's going to coach outside linebackers uh, in the future. Uh, so Calvin Smith doesn't need to make a, an impact right away because Gabe Ackes is here, Seth Coleman is here, Alec Bryan is here, Beatty is here. But in a few years, I think Calvin Smith can be the best edge rusher 
uh, on this team. He's just got great bursts. The, the get off he has off the line of scrimmage is top notch. Uh, and as he adds strength, I think he's going to be one of the most talented pass rushers uh, on this team. Uh, and he's got length too. His arms are, are definitely longer than, than his height is. So uh, I, I think he's got great potential on the outside. Who's your next guy, Joe? My, my next and final could change uh, depending on what happens in early January uh, with, with Illinois football recruiting, but I'm going to take Colin Dixon. His numbers, we talked about on a podcast, his career numbers, if he played in the state of Illinois, would be, I, I think it was, I, I'll just say floor of top 15 because I don't want to pull, pull it back up and look. His numbers would have been right there all time as one of the all-time best high school receivers in terms of production to come through the state. I like his speed. I think he's got more speed. I think he's physical. Their coach told me they tried to use him like a Debo Samuel. Uh, that's not a comparison, but but just for reference for how they used him uh, in high school, he said if this were 1995, he'd be a running back. He's a physical dude. He's got the speed. You, you can play him in the slot. You can play him outside. I think he can cover up uh, any recruiting misses or holes in, in that space, just given where he can go. I, I just like him. I, I think he's got enough length to be a problem. I don't know if that speeds. He's, I'm not saying he's going to be a burner in the Big Ten, but he's certainly going to come in with some wheels on him and, and that opportunity to play in some spots. I think he's got a high ceiling. And and like, does it not feel like this was going to be a guy that Wisconsin commitment held true that once a year, Illinois fans are like, God, this, this guy, this guy has, has been a problem for us. And, and now he's going to be a problem for, for the rest of the Big Ten. I think it's a really big get. Yeah, if I wanted to do my, if we if we did a hot take segment, my hot take would be that Colin Dixon is the best offensive prospect in this class. So I think he's he's a really good get uh, for them. Uh, my last guy is a guy. I, I went halfway through the year. I think it was during the bye week. I started to watch the the early game cutups uh, on huddle of some of these players, and the guy that stood out to me, I'm like, oh, he's better th- than the ranking, is Jaheim Clark, uh, defensive back out of Florida. Very skinny, lanky at 160, 165, but he's very long. 6'1". His arms are really, really long. And he um, – what's the, the phrase they like to you? He will stick his face in the fan and that he is tenacious. So long, athletic, ball hawking, speed, um, maybe a little bit undersized, but tenacious hitter out of Florida, that, that's worked pretty well for Illinois the last couple of years where it's Kirby Joseph, Devin Witherspoon, all these guys, Taz Nicholson, I would add into that. I just think he fits what uh, Aaron Henry wants so well. So whether that's at corner or at free safety or at nickel, uh, it might take a little bit of time, but he's just got the tenacity, the length, and the athleticism that I, I think can shine on the field maybe sooner than later. Yeah, I, I want to give an honorable mention, maybe because the interview was really good. Uh, Antoine Hayden, the way he talked, Jojo Hayden, the way he talked about his usage here is fascinating. Cause you, if you look back to 2021, like imagine the Kalon Tolson rule. And if you look back to 2022, uh, and there's still a game remaining, like how they use Calvin Hart at times, how they use Kanina Odaluga at times, he's got that ability to rush the passer. And I, and I like that they have the thought to use him off of the edge like that and to be that kind of that overhang backer I, I think we saw a lot of and he's dude he is a large large gentleman uh Antoine he, he is a big guy and if, like if they they could probably even make him a full-time outside linebacker if the room dictated it down the line he's yeah. got a lot of that he, he's a he is pushing for third for me because I, the interview is really good I enjoy talking to him but man he he's got a lot of those skills did you mention Kanan Uduluga? 
I did, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think yeah, that's yeah, great because yeah. Kanena's 5'11. Uh, Jojo is six foot two, right? Uh, but Kanena's action figure, I think that's what uh, Tariq Barnes called him because <laughs> he's just cut up, jacked, looks like a superhero. Uh, Antoine Hayden's got a big body, but he's longer. Uh, and you see those dime packages of how they could use Antoine Hayden as, as a pass rusher. Uh, yeah, he could be, he's an, He's just a unique guy. I don't want to plug him into Mike linebacker. I just think yeah. he's, he mentioned Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons was a linebacker in college, but he's an edge rusher uh, in, in, in uh, the NFL and probably the best defensive player we've seen in the NFL in a long time. Like a- Antoine's got that versatility. I think it's going to be really, really interesting. Yeah. And I do want to bring up, we'll see how this looks in Aaron Henry's uh, defensive I don't want to say scheme, because as he mentioned, I'm not sure how much this is going to change in his defensive philosophy. If you can fit one of those specialty roles in that dime, we saw it with Matthew Bailey in the back. We saw it a year ago with Kendall Smith back there. We saw it this year with, with Kanena Odaluga. There's real niche spaces on this defense that you can come in and make an impact er, earlier than not. Uh, Matthew Bailey obviously was was much more than just a dime safety, and he projects out longer than that but there's those two spots are really interesting on this defense because because you can make a role for yourself and, and it might not take long and, and Antoine Hayden looks the part like it, it, obviously everybody's going to work with with Tank right and I, I don't think I'm saying I hope I'm not saying expect him to be a starter day one not like that but like there are packages where you're like could he fit there if, if the rest of the roster uh shakes up all right, we're an hour and 40 minutes into this, so we're going to we wrap this up. we got a women's up. basketball game. Yeah, we're going to wrap this up very shortly, but uh, we'll get to some of your questions. If you want to comment on this live stream, you can do so. Uh, we will get to your questions. And Kevin is leading me right into what I was going to do, which is early impact guys in this class. We know Desmond Schuster and uh, Caleb Patterson, the Juco guys. We talked about how those guys can be that. But here you go. Olano or Dooley, those, those are the early impact guys, right? Like – I think a DB, I think a wide receiver has a chance to make an early impact. But David Alano, kicker, uh, could compete for that job if Caleb Griffin comes back, um, which we still got to hear from. But Caleb was really good down the year. Pinton was really good in relief. Um, but he's got a chance. But I think more than anybody, Declan Dooley, because punter is an issue this year. Inconsistency from Hugh Robertson. Um, Declan Dooley as a freshman, we haven't seen him in this kind of crowd going from El Paso Gridley uh, to, to Champaign and Memorial Stadium is, is a big uh, step. But we haven't mentioned the specialists here. Brett Bielma certainly saw there was a big enough need here, Joey, that he had to invest two scholarships into the, the top in-state specialists. Yeah, that's what makes us think that they could come in and be those early impact guys, right? Especially Declan Dooley, who – Let's be honest, Hugh Robertson was inconsistent at times, you know, not good for Illinois this season. There were games he was good, and it's the inconsistency. Dooley, I mean, punter, right? It's not like you're playing in the trenches. You're a kicker. It's not like you're playing in the trenches. Even though Declan Dooley looks like he might be able to do that. Dude, Jack. He might, like, hot take, truck stick, fake punt for Declan Dooley at some point over the course of the next four years. Uh, But, yeah, man, like, those guys have that opportunity to come in and, and be that that player early. You don't invest a scholarship thinking you're going to wait forever uh, mm-hmm. for these guys to be ready. And the way the roster lines up, like that, that door could open soon. So, yeah, th- those are two. Pr- those are probably two of the most logical early impact yeah. guys, right? Outside of Caleb Patterson. Yeah, I think a wide receiver could get into the rotation, but you know, Sean Miller's been here a little bit. Hank Beatty's been here, so there's some depth in, in that wide receiver room. Um, and I'll get to a question here in a second. 
Uh, a DB, I think, could find a role. Uh, but again, there's some young depth. It'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. But Rhino asks, who takes the rock in replacing Chase Brown uh, if he does not come back? What do you think, Joe? I mean, Reggie Love – I'm sorry. Whew, Josh McCray is, is like the, the surest option right now. And he had a really good freshman. This year, injuries got him. Like, it, it, he got hurt early, came back into Michigan State, got rolled up on. Uh, so I, I think he is far and away the most likely candidate. I think you have to like at times the burst you saw out of Reggie Love. Uh, but Aiden Lawfrey is a guy who, who's we talked about why he could have made a uh, founder role this year. He's different with his speed. His speed is really, really impressive out there. And then I, I don't know that they're going to take a transfer running back, but you certainly have to sniff around with the pitch that you have available to you uh, if and when Chase Brown makes the leap to the NFL. But I think right now the answer is Josh McCray. And I don't know that it's I don't know that it's particularly close right now. Yeah, I think you could make the case for a transfer running back if you wanted to. Uh, if you can get a great one, but are they better than Josh McCray? Are they better than Reggie Love? Or It has to be a great one. Otherwise, I think you have enough depth there uh, to, to find somebody. Um, I, I think it's going to be more by committee. I think you're going to throw the ball a little bit more than you did last year. You're not going to replace Chase Brown by himself unless you find some stud uh, running back in the transfer quarter. But I think they feel good about their depth and talent. I think Reggie Love earned a shot. I think that's for sure. And remember, the transfer portal doesn't end in mid-January. You know, there's still a transfer portal in the spring. The running back, I think, is a, is a, is a potential position that you can fill and, and fill pretty quickly and acclimate yourself pretty quickly. But for me, it's just about health. Because if you tell me Josh McCray and Aiden Lawfrey are healthy, along with Jordan Anderson and Caden Fagan coming in, um, and, you know, I think you feel good about that position – it's just two of what I think are the top three options. I've had a little bit of an injury uh, history there. Uh, another question, transfer wide receiver. What's the word? Is I don't that know that it, I don't think times they are changing, right? Because a year ago, it, I don't know, there could have been a bigger need in, in the way that we looked at things and definitely going into the 21 season. I think you feel good about what you've built. And maybe if you have, if the right opportunity jumps out at you and, and wants to be, on board, you would listen, but I don't know that I don't know that you need to invest a lot of time and resources into that position right now. Maybe this won't age well. Maybe we're going to be wrong, but I think just given the eligibility, the guys who who can come back, the the development of George McDonald, I don't know that you need to go go all in unless one really really is hard to turn up. I agree with you. Um, especially we are we are we are being serious. It's not hundred percent a need. Yeah, because I, I get it. Like, but you got Pat Bryant back. You get Brian Hightower back. You get Isaiah Williams back. They feel good about the second-year guys they have coming back. Um, you've added some speed. And if you're adding Colin Dixon and Malik Elzey, those are two guys I think can play right away, right? So I think you're selling Malik Elzey and a chance to, to play right away. Um, so would you rather have that or a transfer? I think they got enough at wide receiver to, to be successful. Would I love a just speed demon threat? Yeah, because I think they missed Deuce Span this year. I know yeah, they had a great year at Florida State. but A lot of programs would love that, and, and programs that may have a better pitch. Uh, yeah, man, I, I don't know that it's the biggest need right now. My favorite thing, changing positions before they even get here, though we saw that with Canary Wilcher, so not, not a terrible thing. Um, Mar Marcellus asked, possibility of Fagan at linebacker with JoJo. Uh, I think Fagan 
has the the tools to be an edge rusher, an outside linebacker. I think Jordan Anderson has the tools to be an outside linebacker. They're going to play him at running back. They love the, his, his ability at running back. And then if one of those guys don't work out, maybe one of them changes to defense, right? Like, uh, I just think they're going to see how this works with Caden Fagan, Jordan Anderson at running back. Maybe down the line. I think that's a that's a fine conversation to have. It's fine to think about, but you've seen him play linebacker, Joey. What do you think of that possibility down the road? Yeah, I think it's a possibility. I I don't know. Here, I don't. Maybe it's didn't do my job very well. I don't know. I don't put a lot of stock. I mean, I think it's certainly a possibility because you look at the build and and what. I mean, that's what linebackers and edge rushers look like, right? But until I see him at linebacker, I have to assume he's a running back because that's what all indications are. If he wanted to be a linebacker, I think he could have gone to Notre Dame and been a linebacker at Notre Dame. I, I think the the sell is, hey, be a running back. Brett Bielma's had success with bigger running back. But again, I, I don't. We're talking college football and recruiting. Absolutes are ridiculous to throw out there. I, I don't think you should absolutely rule it out, but I don't think I'm expecting it until we walk into a spring ball one year. And you look up and Caden Fagan's playing linebacker. Yeah, we got a comment about the wide receiver thing about Trey Palmer. Yeah, if you can add a Trey Palmer, like I understand he didn't get off the, the bench at LSU, but yeah, you can, you can look at that. Um, but they have just not – I think they've looked at transfer wide receivers. I can tell you that. It has not been their top top priority so far. And I think that tells you about probably how they feel about Malik Elsey and Colin Dixon because those two guys potentially adding them in the same month – uh, I think would be a huge one. I love this comment by Ryan. Obligatory. Any secret signings questions? <laughs> well, we could find out one on January 7th, right? <laughs> because that's what, that's what we're told <laughs> by Jojo Hayden. Jojo Hayden said January 7th could be a good day for Illinois. So, so take into that where you are. Um, yeah. If, if, if there were a Sydney Brown in this class, we would have learned about it. That was the biggest shocker I've ever had on a signing. Game. Never heard of him. Heard of his brother. Didn't know Chase had a twin. And Sidney Brown signed. But, yeah, I think that got people thinking you could have uh, some secret signings. Nick Walker, I think, a Juco kid, was, was kind of a under-the-radar one that year. Um, with social media nowadays, it's, it's, it's rare to, to have those. Sidney Brown just didn't care about social media back then. I don't know if he cares about it now. <laughs> I don't, the, here's the thing. And I thought about this. I, we've seen this as question has been uh, pretty much all morning uh, about secret signings. I get it, and I understand do you, I know they're fun. The concept of them is fun, but do you just want a program? It's like, I know these X number of guys are signing because the secret signing could also work the other way uh, against uh, the program that you like. So I think you just, maybe not the most exciting day all the time, but I think you, I, I think you would trade that for, for some, to avoid some paranoia. Yeah. Like, I guess you want to be entertained with some flips and, and stuff like that nowadays. It's nice to know, like, the guys you've got committed want to sign, right? And and that none of them are going to flip towards the end because um, that can be entertaining, but it can also be painful. Um, so, you know, last year you had Gabe Ackes. Cody Jones was really interesting uh, at the end. I think Tyson Rooks had to announce, but you knew he was going to commit uh, to Illinois at that time. But uh, just a really solid class that I think, Joey, if Malik Elsey jumps on board, you finish top five in the Big Ten, top 40 in the country, this could be a really great class in relative terms to Illinois and the rest of the Big Ten West. Yeah, the class you need to to keep to, to sustain long term, right? I mean, we saw you just got to keep stacking the classes. Lovey Smith's first class was pretty good. Illinois still, still 
reaping the rewards of the first Lovey Smith class. Uh, but you, you got to keep stacking those. That's what programs do that, that are going to be in contention for where Brett Bielma wants to be in contention. And it's a good second one to put on top of the first one that, that had some players that are really intriguing. The second one, especially if you get Malik, can, can be the, another big foundational piece for you. Should I mention some 2024 guys? <laughs> no, we got to get to win the tip off in 32 minutes. You're playing with fire. Uh, Eddie Turk, Lions Township, defensive lineman. He'd be one I'd have a have an eye on because he's a four-star kid. His family uh, has attended Illinois, and uh, he's a position in need at the defensive line. So he'd be kind of probably – we talked about Caden Fagan at this time last year as kind of the uh, litmus test. I think Eddie Turk would be a, a big litmus test recruit. Joey, this went well, man. This was a lot of fun. It did. I do want to add with Eddie Turk, it's clear Illinois has done a nice job with him. And I think the eight and four record to Ryan's really good point earlier, I think that did resonate with him. I, I, he certainly took notice. Yeah, this has. Our live chats have been fun. There's some new software. I thought it was awesome to get some of those recruits in here and here. I was re really thankful that they took some time to join us. We, we were sitting at Marianne's. You were there at the uh, five o'clock this morning. And we're like, man, I don't know, isn't it like school? I don't know how this is going to work, but turned out really, really well. Glad they were able to join on, give some really good insight. Yeah, kudos to Joey for pushing me to do that. Uh, he got JoJo in, and I was like, all right, let's get hit up some more kids. So we got Sabor uh, and Cal Swanson on as well. So we really appreciate their time. Just to update people, 21, uh, 20 letters of intent have been signed. The two we have not heard from are Desmond Schuster, which – Juco kid, don't know if, if something didn't line up there. Maybe we'll find more information later. And then Terraman Lott, not a surprise. He is not publicly decommitted from Illinois, but has taken official visits elsewhere, which has kind of been a line in the sand for Brett Bielma that if you're taking visits elsewhere, uh, you are no longer part of our class. We just haven't heard anything publicly, so he's still on the commit list at this point. So those are the only two we haven't heard from. And, of course, Jire Hill announcing at 3 p.m., got everybody intrigued. I'd be surprised if it was Illinois. I'd kind of be surprised if it's still not Michigan, despite not being on the top five. Maybe it's Florida. Maybe it's Kentucky. Maybe it's Ryan Walters from Purdue. We'll find out at, at 3 o'clock. But they have three transfers on board so far. The tight end out of Colorado State, Tanner Arkin. Uh, center, Avery Jones. Safety, Nicario Harper. As we said earlier in the broadcast, with the, the two transfer quarterbacks that visited, Hudson Card out of Texas uh, and Luke Altmaier out of Ole Miss. We should learn out of those guys uh, very soon. And Illinois continue to, to hit the portal, Joey. Um, but that'll probably depend on the uh, NFL draft decisions of, of the offensive line, defensive line guys, especially Julian Pearl, um, Johnny Newton, and Keith Randolph, who I think there's some optimism that those guys will come back and what, what a coup that would be. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be big and hopefully get some clarity on that sooner rather than later. But right now it's quarterback, QB watch, 2k22 right now that's i mean i think that's where all the attention goes after after we leave brett bielman's press conference today is who's going to be the quarterback uh just real quick these lives i think we're a little not on the fence we're like oh, let's see how it goes earlier in the football season it's been a lot of fun i don't know what you guys do during the day that you can hang out with us for two hours it's been like 250 people on this yeah but I, we enjoy we really do truly enjoy the heck out of it they're not going away basketball season you and i will be in florida uh, thank you for, for spending some time with us. It's been a lot of fun. It's fun to hear uh, people's opinions. We, we had some fun quarterback debates uh, earlier on in the two hours we've been talking. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for, for jumping on and being part of this with us. Yeah, we appreciate all your guys' support uh, more than you know. It allows us to go on these trips uh, like the bowl game, which earlier today – we booked a flight. We are I, I am going to pour one out for the thought of spending 16 hours each way. 
Uh, with Werner, I don't know how many bathroom stops that would have been. I had the bladder of a child. We would have. It probably would have taken us four days to be there. Yeah, and I had the bladder of a 65-year-old. So th- <laughs> there you go. Uh, we worked together pretty well. Um, but we were pumped about that. The prices came down a little bit. We got some uh, some stop flights, and uh, we'll get into Tampa via airplane, which is a lot better than driving all the way down there. But thank you guys for the support. Uh, follow us on YouTube if you don't already. We're hoping to do some of these. I'm going to put this on the pod at some point. Uh, for you podcast listeners, if you missed any of it, uh, we'll get it up on the podcast at some point. But follow us on the podcast. We appreciate you guys doing that. Rate us, review us on the podcast. And check out all the information. If you missed any of this, if you want any information, we didn't mention everybody. Like I feel like we should have gone more into Zachary Amwin and Nate Gwynn, some guys we didn't talk about as much. You can find all that information at IlliniInquire.com. And right now you can get 50% off uh, a VIP subscription to Illini Inquirer for an entire year, which is more than $60 in savings. So I appreciate all your guys' support. Happy signing day. Enjoy, Wagner. Thanks, man. This was a lot of fun. Appreciate it, man. All right. Everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Online Enquirer Podcast. Bye, everybody.